No, no fucking way. way. No, I'm not working with this guy. I've been there, done that. Hey, the minute he gets involved, you can kiss goodbye to any finesse because She-Hulk here only knows how to smash. Yeah, Mr. Arson here only knows how to blow shit up. The fact is. And the fact is. No offense. Oh, no offense. This guy's a real asshole. That's uh, some bitch in your native tongue. That'd be wanker in your native tongue. Are you finished blubbering? You sound like a giant tattooed baby. You know what, I'm not listening to this horse shit. I got a job to do. Tell your mom I said hi. Actually, I'll tell her myself. Don't you ever talk about my mother, I'll put your head through that wall. Secondly, I'll have this job done while you're still putting on your baby oil. Good luck, Slick. Do you expect me to talk? and welcome to episode 183 of Do You Expect Us To Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow co-drivers, Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. Uh, good evening, everyone. No witty repartee at the moment. I couldn't think of one. That's like last week. I, couldn't, could, could, I just could not think of one. Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I'm losing my grip. I don't know. Maybe I just need to or sort it, of like... It could just be, it could just be this film's fucking self-satirising. <laughs> it doesn't need a lot of input from us. I mean, no. the, the only thing I sort of I could think of was like sort of staring David in the face, just sort of like you know exchanging insults, and I don't really want to do that. So, so... no, it's no, not particularly nice, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> running down this side of the building. Wouldn't, wouldn't... Yeah. No, imagine you're being chased by a superhuman Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I'm sure we'll, we'll rip. You know, oh yeah, there you are. So when you spine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think I can quite get away with saying I'm Black Superman. So, <laughs> oh dear. Right, moving on. <laughs> oh, no, he fought Superman once in a comic book. Totally plausible. Well, there we are. It could happen. <laughs> uh, it's not likely now. One of them's fictional and the other one's dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was meant to be sarcasm in my voice. My, my money's on that not happening. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Really, <laughs> I was being sarcastic. We're at the end of another series. It shows you how fast, like, lockdown is going. <laughs> I, can't believe, I can't believe we're at the end of another series. It's just like, this series uh, has gone by fast and furiously. It has. I was waiting for ages to get to the good one, and then we just shot past them. But then I suppose <laughs> we've had no breaks in this series, whereas, like, John Wick but, um, took a month off. Yeah. We did, yes. But, yeah, this time we've been back on uh, full throttle and, yeah, firing on uh, all cylinders. So we've been able to rattle through this Pedal as to quickly the as we possibly can. Pedal to the matter. Yeah, anything else? Any other? Yeah, so uh, the series perhaps comes screeching to a halt, uh, and then <laughs> and we're swinging to action with Spider-Man. How's that? There we are. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't manage to cram in-car entertainment system into a one-liner anywhere. I think you did that. <laughs> that one was going in the trailer, Chris. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> You must have very low hopes for what's coming in the rest of this show if you think that's trailer-worthy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. We'll get our spidey senses tingling and we'll cue in all the, uh, all the uh, spidey puns. I hope you're just wet with anticipation now, listeners. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we got a bomb commentary first before we go on to Spider-Man anyway. Oh, yes. Which we'll announce at the end of it. Can't wait. Yes, can't wait Chris to find out all, which one Chris... we've chosen. Well, we know because we told us last week off-air and I've downloaded it. Uh, well, listeners yeah. don't know yet. Yeah, I know, but we don't have to pretend we don't talk to each other <laughs> off air. <laughs> oh, the mystery. Oh, my God. 
we're not, we're, <laughs> we're, not, we're not fighting for like Rod, Jane, and Freddy's audience. Give them a bit of credit. Oh. So yeah, we got a Bond commentary, which Chris will announce at the end. And uh, yeah, so it's the end of the Fast and Furious series until next year. Tell us about tonight's. Yeah, so tonight, as you may have guessed, we are reaching the current end of the Fast and Furious series as we review Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, starring Dane Johnson, Jason Statham, Edris Elba, Melissa Kirby, Eddie Marson, and I'm going to mispronounce these names, so excuse me, Eliana Isua, Cliff Curtis, Joe, Roman Reigns, I know, uh, Helen Mirren, Rob Delaney, and Ryan Reynolds. Ooh. Anyway, original music one by Chris, uh, script by Chris Morgan, Drew Pierce, and a story by Chris Morgan, directed by David Leach and released 2019. Yeah. I'm really sorry, I'm just going to mess up all the summary names, so I do apologise. Ah, well, actually, normally you apologise before getting it perfectly correct. That's probably the first time in a long time where I've gone, yeah, Actually, it's this. <laughs> she, was, she, she was struggling with that a bit, weren't she? <laughs> uh, so Tyler Bates doing the music for this film. So another change. I think he's mm. first time. Yeah, it's his first time sort of on the series. Mm. And he's just been in and around. Um, well, he's done just everything, if you have a look. Um, I, I don't know if anything specific stands out. He's done good and bad like most uh, most. Uh, musicians. I mean, he did, he did the, the uh, he did the Sylvester Stallone Get Carter remake, and Half Past Dead with Steven Seagal. I don't think I've seen um, that. But he did the Dawn of the Dead remake, the Zack Snyder film, Devil's Rejects. Uh, quite a lot of horror. He did Three Hundred, so he's obviously a bit of a Zack Snyder guy because he did Watchmen. Um, he did uh, some of the music for Grindhouse, but it was just the segments, the fake trailers. Uh, he did, uh, yeah, he's worked with Rob Zombies, worked with Zack Snyder. Uh, they're the main two that are sort of sticking out to me as I go through. Kind of in the horror he, thriller camp. He did work on Guardians of the Galaxy, although when anyone oh, of thinks of that film, they think of the source music. And unsurprisingly, because of this film, um, he did work on John Wick. Um, in fact, he worked on the first two John Wick films by the look of it and Atomic Blonde. Deadpool 2, so he's definitely got sort of a link to this director and Chad Stahelski as well. Um, in fact, he did do John Wick 3, looking at it. So, yeah, those were his two films last year, actually, so both things we've covered in the last few weeks. Um, not sure how much the score stood out for me, but there you go. I mean, he's quite a competent guy. I mean, he did John, obviously John Wick, so I think he, I think he kind of knows what, knows what he's doing. I think it's... Uh... It's uh, it, at, at the very least serviceable. Absolutely. So I'm drinking water, folks. Um, uh, yeah, and cinematographer this time uh, has worked also with uh, David Leach on Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, uh, John Wick. He worked on Law Abiding Citizen with F. Gary Gray last week's director. So yeah, we, we're in reasonably competent hands here. In fact, of all the people we've just named... Uh, Drew Pierce is one of the writers. He he's done loads of stuff. Uh, Iron Man's the first thing that springs to mind, but he also wrote on Rogue Nation. Uh, so I suppose, in some respects, David Leach is probably the least experienced of the sort of top team on this. Yeah, but I would say best known for John Wick, but not really because he wasn't credited, was he? No, that's true. Actually, no. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was. I, I think it was some sort of like legality issue that they both they both directed it but um 
I don't know, not but not in any in any official sense. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why, but yeah, um, uh, it's always said that they co-directed it, but those credits are there for a reason. So who knows? Atomic Blonde is probably the other high-profile thing from recent years. I mean, Deadpool was an established property. He had to come in and pick up from Tim Miller. Yes. I'm always tempted to say Tim Story, but that was the guided barbershop and the fucking Fantastic Four films. Um, slight difference in talent level. And I didn't really like Deadpool 2 anyway, but I think a lot of that is the joke was just done for me. I I, I think I've said this on Cinematronic episodes with Chris before that I've got nothing against Deadpool, and the first one made me laugh quite hard. But once, do you know what I mean? The film has no rewatch value. And when we got to the second one, and they're actually trying to give him like an emotional arc, it's like, oh, fucking give up, guys. Um, and I just didn't like it that much. So that really leaves Atomic Blonde, which is one really good action sequence. And at the end of the film, the promise of like a better sequel if it had done well, once she could like mm. be herself. But most of the film was Charlie Theron sort of chain smoking and being really, really flat again so i wasn't in love with that film either but he's clearly competent technically i think that's fair to say isn't it yeah yeah it's i i, I don't know i mean he's he doesn't really well i suppose this is kind of like his mark on making uh kind of sort of very very loud flashy um but kind of just average action blockbusters really I think uh, 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 the Charlie Swan one. I can't remember the the Atomic Blonde. Uh, that that kind of sold itself as like kind of a bit of John Wick, and it had a bit more to it. Though something about that, I can't remember. I need to rewatch it, but something about that film just sort of fell a bit flat, or it just felt a bit. What's too... this Atomic Blonde? Yeah, I yeah. In terms of that, in terms of the acting, so when you think John Wick, you think action. So you think okay, we're well, going to get like the action stuff right. And in a way he does, but there's just nothing like that remarkable about what I've seen from Deadpool 2 and and this film. I mean, it's both fine and, you know, it's not really, you know, in the day it's not like really about the action in the day, but, um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not awful. It's not like, you know, shaky cam, which a lot of films have done previously, but. It do, it doesn't mean you go oh well you know you don't really sort of remember you know you're not really memorable sort of action moments you go oh yeah that was really good that bit. Well, there's a there is one sequence in Atomic Blonde which is anyone who's seen it will immediately know what sequence I'm talking about because it, it's the only standout sequence in the film if we're honest. Uh, but there's a fight. I can't remember where it starts, but it certainly goes down a stairwell and sort of out into the street and into a car, mm. and then in the car with them. And it is that sort of faux one-take approach that we've seen uh, most recently in that Chris Hemsworth film, Extraction, on Netflix. Um, it's become a bit of a thing. You know, how much can we achieve in a how-did-they-do-this kind of way? Mm. Uh, and that was a standout sequence. But the biggest problem for me with Atomic Blonde is you only really found out who she was at the end of that film. And once she could be herself, it was suddenly a much more animated performance. For the vast majority of the film, she's not that, and she's playing very coy 
in a sort of interview room mm. because it's got this cross-cutting structure between the events of the film and her being interviewed about them, as I recall. Bear in mind, I've not seen the film for three years either. Um, and she was really flat, and, and it was just smoke, 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 monotone talk, monotone talk, monotone talk. Um it just should have been better than it was. I thought it was going to be a great action film. What it had that John Wick doesn't have and John Wick shouldn't have, by the way, it's just as a point of distinction. It was set in something like 1981. So you put it in a different era in terms of look. Not a wonderfully overmind era either because it's neither the coolest bit of the 60s and 70s, nor is it the sort of parody parts of the 80s. We haven't got to sort of big hair and loads of hairspray yet. Um, so it, it's it's a sort of district, distinct micro era within the 80s, you know. And there's something to mind there. And we're in kind of the last vestiges of the really cold bit of the Cold War. And so it just should have been a really interesting film. And I couldn't wait for it to end. It was just, it was quite long. I was quite bored. And if you'd listened to me over the last two weeks, you, you'd get the impression I don't rate Charlize Theron, and that's not true. I rate her really, really highly. It's just the fact that two of the weaker performances I've ever seen her in were the two, the two films we've most recently talked about her in, largely because she massively underplayed both roles, uh, both with a rationale that I'm sure she could explain. It's... It's not so much that she's bad. It's more that for an attractive uh, screen commanding presence, she's it's, it's just it's, they're very small performances. They're not that engaging. And I was just really bored. Um, actually, I, I'm just looking at it. It says 1981. I've misremembered that. I'm looking at Wikipedia now and it's saying 1989. Oh. I'd, misre- I'd misremembered that. I thought it was much more. Maybe it's because it's called Atomic Blonde and Blondie had a song called Atomic. I'm putting it back. <laughs> Conflating the two. I could be. I but think it's... I think that there's a bit of crossover there, wasn't there? I think yeah. Atomic Blonde is probably quite fitting, even though it is kind of 81 or 89. It's the 80s. It's still an iconic song, you know. So I think feel, there is a little bit of crossover there. It does feel more. Or my memories of it are more early 80s in its look than late 80s, but clearly I'm wrong. I could have left that and probably no one would have corrected me, but the fact is I'm wrong. It was like a few years afterwards. But yeah, it just wasn't a very engaging film. But like a lot of these things, you get to the last few minutes. We've had this with a few films we've discussed. Um, certainly me and Chris on Cinematronics with certain summer films, or and winter films actually, that you get to the you, you go through a film that ain't that good, and then the the plot sort of starts to tie itself together at the end, and you get some reveal or something or some set up for something else, and you think, well, that was crap, but the sequel's going to be better. That looks like it could be quite good. I most recently said that about um, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, which I thought was terrible, but just the last couple of minutes, I started thinking next one might be quite interesting. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and there's been a few like that um, in recent years, and that was true of Atomic Blonde. So I think we're going a long way round to say the jury's out on David Leach because his best his best film doesn't even have him named as the director on it. And by and large, since, since he's departed that series, that series has by and large kept its standard up, and he's gone on to make a range of things that aren't as good. 
No, it really does vary, doesn't it? Definitely. So this was, they were talking about spin-offs from for this series back in about 2015. The only two we've had so far are the TV series um, of the cartoon. Uh, I forget what it's called now. I think it's got racers in the title somewhere. So it's Fast and Furious. Yeah. Something racers. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. Not seen it. I mean, if anyone listening to this, go straight to Netflix, type it in, it will be there. Uh at the moment, anyway, if it was made yeah, for Netflix... Yeah, I've not actually seen it just yet, sadly. Well, if it was made for Netflix, it'll always be there. If it's like Netflix's third-party slate, it'll come and go. Oddly enough, um, it kind of, like, looking at it reminds me of uh, that uh, James Bond Jr. cartoon. Let me have a look. Oh, OK. Do anyone ever, I'll, I'll just quickly have a look at it. Did anyone ever watch that, James Bond Jr.? Yeah, because I'm just the right age. <laughs> it was... It was um... Oh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. I literally just Googled it, sorry. Oh, I'm on Netflix looking for it. Uh, Spy Racers. Oh, really cast. Um, it looks sort of CG. It's CG animation. I see what you mean um, by the James Bond Jr. vibe. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there, Chris. That's more tone than look, I think. He's yeah, getting, but it yeah. looks cool, though. Um, it's got a really diverse cast, really bright, popping colours. Yeah, it's, it's playing a clip now. Lots of neon. Um yeah, that's that. I might have a look at it at some point, just just for curiosity factor. Twenty three, twenty four minute episode. Just to be a completist. One series that is currently at eight episodes. Whether that's the whole series or they're being released. Yeah, it might be sort of eight or ten episodes. Might be twelve. That could be it, to be honest. Very good. Um, so yeah, they they've been trying to expand this brand, and and I was looking earlier, and let me just I need to find something. Hang on. Well, a instead of Mister Nobody, you got Miss Nowhere. I haven't got my phone in front of me because the phone app for Wikipedia has like a little description at the top that isn't on the website. This is for the first film. It said 2001 American German uh, street racing action film or something like that. And then you went and looked at Hobbs and Shaw. If anyone's got the app in front of them, look it up, look it up, read it up now because it says it's it it names about eight genres do you know what i mean it says it says 2019 sci-fi buddy uh action a, a, comedy a, a, action spy super, thriller action superhero spy thriller or something like that and you go you can okay. just tell this is gonna be a garbled mess can you see it have you got it oh yeah I was, i've got it in front of me it's one of those things isn't it i mean it's it's you know sometimes you might get a great film or you know, a series that really does defy genre classification and just covers all the genres or tries to pack as much in as you can. Mm. Um, like there are some like cl- classic, um, like Hitchcock's Psycho, for example. That that you can't pigeonhole that into any. You know, it is a thriller, it is a no, slasher, it is a melodrama, for example. I watched Old Boy today, and that genre. Yeah, that covers all the genres. Because that's got that. That is an action film. It's a thriller. It's a psychological thriller. It's, it's got, horror. Got, it's an animal. Body horror in it. <laughs> it's body it, horror. It's exactly. It's got elements of humour. Tentacle in it. porn. <laughs> it's got the funniest suicide I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it's very, it's really, yeah, rich so and diverse. Um, but like sometimes with, with this kind of film, um, because it's got all the genres, it can be quite messy. It doesn't quite know I, what it yeah, used to I be. Think that's my point. If you were writing a Wikipedia page for Old Boy, you wouldn't write everything we've just named. You know, no. it's well, no, Old Boy is like a Stone Cold classic. If, definitely, if I'm were, saying if, that. Yeah, that's not messy and confused. But, but, if, this... but if you were going to say Psycho, and someone said one liner, you. Uh, put the year what type of film it is right you would just say 1960s 
and you would choose slasher you would say slasher or you would say psychological horror yeah or you would say you know emotional drama you would pick one could be a melodrama you don't if know you, if you're na- if, if you're naming eight genres you, it just that's tells me you don't you don't really know what the fucking film is do you that's a bit much isn't it yeah. it, it just tried to be all of these things and more um but yeah it gets lost along the way yeah I don't know when we talked. Uh, did we talk about this, Chris? Because it came out in the autumn. No, it came out. When did it come out? When did we get it? When did we uh, get it? No, it was uh, summer. It was like uh, just as August hit. It was one of those. Yeah, so it was one of the big summer movies, wasn't it? We talked about it on the summer review. Yeah. yeah. Right. Then what, our summer review this year is going to be a four minute show. Um, <laughs> sitting but on it, my ass. Cover, cover what you've seen on, um, on VOD, if anything. Not a lot. Not a lot, no. <laughs> Extraction. It's not that good. Uh, just... The end. Um, that was yeah, good. we we did talk about it. I don't remember us being wildly enthusiastic. No. Um, um, it, well, yeah, I think. You know, I I certainly enjoyed it. Though there was always a level of disappointment in, in it. It's like, oh, it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. So, I think you you were a lot more down on it. So I kind of like, yeah, kind of a little bit. Even though I didn't hate it, I just just kind of wished it was better because because the idea you know thing like well the rock and stay together like that's that's like you know that's gold there and I think how did you fuck it up yeah we got Idris Elba and Vanessa Kirby you start looking at the constituent parts you think this will be all right you know Chris Morgan has has been serviceable in most of the films and Drew Pierce is a pretty decent writer yeah you know I don't love everything he's done but when I look through, there, there, you know, every Iron Man three is not a film I'm in love with, but it's at least interesting. Uh, and when, when I do meet people who rank Iron Man three really high, I understand that completely, because it's trying to do something different. And if it if it jibes with you, then great. Um, Rogue Nation is is a very well written Mission Impossible film, so I was a bit surprised on the basis of I thought it would be decent. And I think for, for my opening thoughts, um, it felt it felt like a four act film. I, I mean, they get to the end of that action sequence in Russia or wherever the fuck it was. And I thought, right, well, we'll just, you know, wind the film up with a couple of cheesy scenes with Helen Mirren and we're done. <laughs> and, th- and then it's like, we've got to go to like Samoa. I think I called him a Maori last week. I meant Samoan. It's um, they're all Polynesian, yeah. Um, but yeah, so hence they do the Haka soda Maoris and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, I think yeah, it's kind of Maori, and then there's a different. They have different um, different versions of it, don't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to insensitively complain, conflate two different cultures, but I did confuse them. Um, and I knew he was Samoan via Hawaii sort of thing, but there you go. Um, but it does what Rise of Skywalker does. It puts a ticking clock on it and then immediately shits over the whole concept of a ticking clock. What, yeah. by sort of jumping across, like, you know, different countries, think, how have you got the time for this? You haven't got the time for, like, massive worldwide flights. Now, I'm aware if you're in the United States, it, you know, you might be able to get to, like, parts of Asia and stuff like that quicker, or Russia's not that far and stuff like that, but... It's just ludicrous. I mean, 
it was worse than the Rise of Skywalker because they gave them something like 16 hours, immediately shat away about eight of those, and in the final eight hours went across the galaxy as- assembling the, the largest fleet in history. You know, it, it just didn't work. And I just think, like, you got to quit doing that, you know? Um, or if you do do it, I mean, I think, I can't remember what the time frame was. The one point it was dropped in dialogue, I missed it. And I couldn't be bothered to go back because what's he called? Says it, Guy Ritchie's bitch. What's he called? <laughs> oh, um, Guy Ritchie's bitch. Eddie Marson. I, as- oh, I associate right. him with Guy. I associate him with thankless roles in Guy Ritchie films. <laughs> um, Eddie Marson. He's brilliant in whatever he does. He's fantastic. He's brilliant. He was great in The World's End and stuff like that. Yeah, even if he has just like like here like tiny little cameo roles. Yeah, or I couldn't even think of in, his name, um... but, uh, but unfortunately, I could think of an insult. Before I even mentally um, filtered it, because I've got no disrespect for any Marsan at all. But at one point, he said you got forty six hours or something like. That. I can't remember what he said now, and I can't. Yeah, you, remember... you got X amount of time. But they 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 did sort of trans-oceanics flights twice after that um so it didn't make any sense and i I just think like i know the essential ludicrousness of the series is part of it in some ways but there has to be limits there has to be for any sense of danger there has to be limits so you know this film again they're falling outrageous distances hitting the top of a car and just rolling off and having a wander you know it's just like if if there's no peril to anything then it doesn't matter what you do to them um so the time frames are all nuts you've got flashbacks to the two of them as kids when they're 23 years apart in age or 22 years apart in age 21 years something like that i mean to yes. that, that, those are the actors though not the the characters well, jason jason statham was born in 1967 and vanessa shaw was born in 1988 so it's 21 years um, but they look that far apart. I mean, J- Jason Statham looks pretty good for 52, as he was when he shot this. Yeah, you partly, know, he looks Partly because well, he's been bald since he was young. It's like Patrick Stewart. People go, he's not aging. I'm thinking, you're fucking mental. He's aging loads. It's only the <laughs> fact that his hairline hasn't changed, so you kind of, and he hasn't changed weight, so you kind of think he looks more or less the same. And I think that's sort of true with Statham, but she she does look like she's kind of late 20s-ish. She's early 30s-ish, but same difference. And he looks like he's probably late 40s-ish. And then it cuts to them as kids, and they're about 18 months apart in age. So things like that are just like, well, just cast your film fucking different. It's not It's not that difficult. And then the biggest problem, I, the biggest two problems I had with the film, probably three, thinking about it. Oh, but the one, the, one, <laughs> the one that stuck out when I walked out of the film was how lazy it was. And I think it was because we had them last week shit-talking each other, and then they reached, like, you know, a nice family barbecue at the end, and now we're back to square one. And it's because this film has one central idea, which is these two play don't like each other, but under it all, they're quite similar, really. And they've got to learn about family, because that's the fetish of the fucking series. And it's lazy. I mean, the first time they meet, they're literally stuck facing each other in a room. And it's, 
one shot reverse, one shot reverse of them shit talking each other with the laziest one liners and all the sort of cliches of strong men. Don't mention my mother and things like that. It's like if you if you made some insult about my mother and you don't even really fucking know her, I would just be water off a duck's back. Don't be such a twat. So the humor was weak. Um, they pushed the, the, the Idris Elba skill set way too far and it is like we're in a superhero film now and I, I think that'll do for now because there'll be other th- oh the final point is I don't think the action's very good I, I all these all those series we talked about where every week I felt like I was saying third act shit and it was because I thought I didn't really like action and that's not true because we've done action sequence action films and action series since and we've not heard me say that until last week because Fast 8 is shit and it lost me by the end. Um, most of the action in this film I was tuning out really, really badly. And we'll, we'll go to it as we go through the film. That's where I am with this. It's really weak and really lazy. There have been worse Fast and Furious films, but this is the one that, like, it hasn't got an excuse to be this bad. Not with the people involved in making it. And I just think, like, fucking up your game or fuck off. Yeah, I I didn't see this film at cinema last year. I just thought, oh, God, you know, more of the same. Um, So, yeah, my kind of takeaway was, like, yeah, I didn't miss much. Um, I think my sort of immediate reaction was, that's a crazy film. Um, you actually posted that, and I didn't um, posted that to just the two of us. Yeah, I, I, yeah I obviously didn't mean anything I, insensitive no, but, by it. I just thought, oh, no, that's I, a bit... I, did, I didn't um, respond to it, because I just thought, I'll wait and see what she meant by that. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, just what well, it is, well, funny how we were talking about, like, you know, it's the different different genres. Like, it, it is all of those things. It's an action film, it's comedy, it's a buddy movie, um, it's supernatural, it's superhero, anti-hero, almost-ish. Um it's a techno thriller, it's a spy movie, it's a heist movie, it's a gangster film, it's all of these things. And it's a comedy. And it's a comedy, and it's a buddy comedy. Uh, and it's a Ryan <laughs> I'm trying to get over my just like a Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but he's, he's alright, really. He's um, fucking irritating in this film, though. <laughs> I think me and Chris said to each other, what fucking reverse world have we gone into where like Ryan Reynolds has annoyed the shit out of us and Kevin Hart was alright? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's some kind of bizarre Sorry. mirror world. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing is now. Leonard going to turn up with a goatee in a minute. It it, it, yeah. was, it was even odder for me because my uh, my partner like has like just this unrational uh, like hatred of Ryan Reynolds. So when we were first dating, she was like, she was like, I absolutely despise him, and I was like, oh. and I always thought he was he was actually you know well he's you know he's quite entertaining, he's quite light hearted, he's quite funny, he's a good looking guy, he's got charisma, you know. Yeah. You know. You know. All, all, all this stuff. I don't. I mean, I mean, fine. Not everyone, you know, everyone likes Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. You know, great. Yeah, if you know, but, around. But it's like, I, you know, okay, fine. It's just one of those things. And then, you know, uh, and I remember like sort of like sort of testing with Deadpool, seeing if she can see if she liked it. And you know, when you're sort of like watching watching something and you know that other person's hating it, you just like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> let's, let's just switch it off. It's ruins it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when this came this came up and like I thought I it was all of a sudden it's like I I, I saw what she saw so I just thought oh my god he's so great <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think this film might have ruined Ryan Reynolds for me I'm I'm not sure at this moment but <laughs> like, we'll uh, talk about his scenes because I, I I think they're an afterthought and we'll go into why in a bit 
Yeah. But oh, it's crap. It's awful. Um, I think um, I think there's Ryan Reynolds that was meant to be done the voice for the uh, the 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 bad guy. You know the uh, the. He's meant to be like the director, wasn't he? The, yeah, the um, Doctor Claw voice. Yeah, he's a bit Doctor yeah. Claw, isn't he? Which I've got tentative theories about, but of course the film does fuck all with the main plot anyway, so that doesn't get revealed. So it, we're used to a, we're used to franchises now where one film hints at the next, but this film flat out doesn't even finish itself in order to get ready for the next. So yeah, um, Ryan Reynolds, I think we were supposed to enjoy Dwayne Johnson's discomfort or his character's discomfort at this mm. guy. But actually, I was just completely sympathetic. Of yeah, he's fucking irritating, isn't he? Uh, yeah, it's a bit. I mean, my, you know, as as an actor, I would agree. Yeah, he's, he's got talent, he's got charisma, definitely. But he can be a bit annoying. But it's just when he was making making a film that was shot in um, in, in Winchester randomly. Um, I think it was one of the like Van Wilder sort of films. I think it was one of the sequels. And you know, lots of fans go down to see him, and he was like, "No, I'm too busy." Rah, rah, and I thought, right, that's it. You're a knob. Um, oh, what he couldn't be fucked to give anyone. No, any but I, I think since then, you know, he since apologised. Oh, sorry, I got a hectic, you know, hectic schedule. You know, it wasn't being horrible. He just he was very busy. Rah, rah. But I just think, no, you're an ass. Um, but obviously, that was hundreds of years ago, um, and some kind of warming, <laughs> warming to him for sure. Um, but I actually kind of want to see that film between him um, and and Dwayne Johnson about you know them being kind of. Best, bestest buds and how they get their tattoos and everything. I kind of feel like there's another film there waiting to be made. A whole another chapter of, you know... I'm, I'm quite happy for it to sort of keep waiting. Yeah, I, well, that'll be a way off, yeah, but I kind of I kind of feel like <clears throat> those seeds are being sown. Uh, but yeah, getting back to this film, definitely. Um, yeah, my one takeaway was that it, it tries to cover all the genres and at once it doesn't know what it wants it to be. Um, for me, I'd probably say yourself as, as a standout. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, going a bit. Um, yeah, Eddie Mawson is fantastic. Whatever he's in, even if he has the tiniest of roles, even if he has one line, it just hugely improves things. He's probably him, and Idris Elba are probably like the the um, you know the shining stars, definitely the kind of redeeming features. Um, amazing cameo from Rob Delaney, hilarious. Um, a lot of the other like Simone, like supporting cast. I mean, you see Cliff Curtis and Roman Reigns as well, legendary superstar. Um, but a lot of his other Samoan family is kind of left on the wayside, um, which is a bit of a shame, seeing as they make so much effort to go there and, and present a lot of that culture. So I feel kind of really missing out there, unfortunately. I feel a li- I kind of got the impression that a lot of it was left on the cutting room floor. Um, I'm sure it wasn't, but that's just the impression that I was, get- I was got, you know, left with at the end. Um, it was just too much, too crazy, and I just kind of felt a bit deflated at the end, a bit disappointed, unfortunately. But yeah. Anyway. I think that's kind of the problem, really. I think they kind of like have ideas because you got Rock was one of the producers. Also, I say Rock because <laughs> you know, I always know. We're, we're going to use Dwayne the Rock and yeah, Hobbs sorry. interchangeably. Yeah. Just get used to it, folks. This sorry is about that. this is about his fifth fucking film. You should all be used to it by now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think yeah, he produced it and also Seth produced it as well, didn't he? I think they both had producer credits. Yeah, I mean, what 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 struck me is that obviously he would have had a, a say in like doing the what 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 what's the what's the stuff the uh, that the the the, the Samoan sort of like chant they do. Oh, the harker. A harker. They did, well, they did, yeah. well, they did that last week with the with the 
you know, the, the soccer Yeah, it's, it's got a different right. name. I, and, I need to look at the name now, of it. But... And now he does it again. It's like, okay, that's two films right now, which you had to put in the Walker Channel. I'm like... Do we really? I, I don't know. So I, just to interrupt to say, I don't know because we got a lot of North American listeners, and I don't know how well it's known there. But I'll, I'll look it up. We, I think it's, it's we, known as something else, isn't it? They do vary in the different cultures, but we came across it most often in rugby union in this country when the New Zealand All Blacks do their version of it. They always do it before a game. So oh, see what see what YouTube and read up about Harker H A H A K A. Yeah. yeah. But again, the Samoan equivalent, I'm not saying... Formed by the sporting sports clubs. (laughs) I thought it was all really self-indulgent. And given the film was supposed to be fucking finished by this point, I just thought, oh, God. It was quite long as well. I mean, two two and a bit hours. And And I kind of felt like it did. I mean, there was a lot. I think probably, well, for me anyway, up until like the hour, hour bit mark. I kind of thought, oh, this is rip-roaring along, you know, rattling on at quite a pace. Uh, It just seems to grind to a halt. And it's like, oh. Oh, okay, and it has—it's one of those films for me that kind of ends has many has many endings, like ends two or three times, and there, there could have been points where they could chop it off, and you know roll credits. Um, but for me, it kind of ended like a couple of times. It's like oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely action packed. You know, if, in terms of you know this film being under the umbrella of Fast and the Furious, it's probably as as far away as we can get from the origins of of the series now. Um, but yeah, if it's like you know, cars, vehicles, action, balls to the wall, then this is for you totally. Yeah, I think it's just like you know, too many ideas, too many cooks. Um, I think you know, that's why it's too long. That's why you got lots of like too many wacky ideas that, that end up doesn't gelling. I think that's the problem here with the film. It's quite busy, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, you know, as, as Dave was saying, it's like you know, by the time like they're they coming out the the big complex in in Moscow and everything's blowing up you, you know mentally in your head uh, you know when when watching a film any film you kind of you have this kind of like sense of where you are and you, you think right well this is the bit where we're wrapping up now and it just felt like that initially then, then I looked remember looking watching oh no this shit, there's another 40 minutes yet <laughs> so um so, so yeah I, I think this is like yeah we have to have this scene we have to have this bit um, too many, too many establishing. Don't just go straight into it. Um, and yeah, the, the comedy's not, not, not particularly great. The action's not particularly great. Um, I wish it was better for you know the cast that we have. Uh, Best Kirby's probably the standout, I think. Uh, oh yeah, of course. I forgot about her. <laughs> Sadly, you know she was. No, I mean well. she, she was great in the Mission Impossible film. Uh, Yes, fabulous. Yeah, I think yeah, the three of them. So like her, Edris Elba. Um, it was the year before that, wasn't it? She was Eddie Marsden, fantastic. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, but but she she came off re- as really well. Um, I'm not sure about having Hobbs as a love interest though. That just did not seem to work for me. I, it was a bit yeah. out, of, out of the blue, wasn't it? It was like oh. well, it it just was like no. I I I, I don't know. Whether, it's not that I'm. I think you know he should never have love interests or whatever. Um, and there's something about how it was played. Just you know, we we got him like, so, you know, sort of trying to get a stay from sort of to say if you want to get on this big mountain of a man, then I'm gonna let. It just just felt kind of childish. 
And I just, I, I, I think that's another thing. It just felt didn't feel like Hobbs a lot of the time because it didn't make sense for someone like Hobbs to be have that history. That you know, the, the fact, oh, I'll never go back home. Why? Well, I put my corrupt dad away. You know, he was a criminal, and that meant I can never go home again, which did not seem to make sense to me, given the fact that, well, you know, his mother clearly didn't think so. You know. Hmm. Um, but you know, it just it, 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 the excuse for it just didn't seem to sort of. They've just got to learn. They, they somebody, if not all of them, need to learn about family in every fucking film. That's all that is. He's got to reconnect to his heritage, which is a way for Dwayne uh, to sort of share with the, us his um, pride in his own heritage, which is not in itself a bad thing. It just doesn't serve the film, and that's the problem with having actors as fucking producers if they're not Tom Cruise. Um, because they just have a tendency to just it's the too many cooks thing I mean it happens with in my opinion because lots of people like the series but I thought it was it was the same with Patrick Stewart and the Picard series they they had they had Patrick Stewart in the writer's room and it, it he's, he's not a fucking writer and it shows you know it, it it's just really bad ideas happen and I just think it was part of their shit talking, wasn't it? That like you have to have you have to have the Rock interested in her to piss off Jason Statham. That's all it is, and I think that's a gross misuse of her character. They don't have anything other. Dwayne Johnson has seems to have chemistry with everybody, but it's kind of a friendly, amiable chemistry, not necessarily a romantic one. Yeah, you can imagine him sitting and giving like in character. I mean, giving anyone a pep talk, a cheer up, a laugh, you know making them feel better, just shooting the breeze with them. You can imagine yeah, any of that. Instantly. Couldn't imagine those two going at it. Not not for any other reason. The, the chemistry just didn't radiate that way. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It just it just seems odd, doesn't it? Um, and it, it just seems like an odd choice because I say, like, you know, well, yes, okay, family is still the, the you know, the, the theme of, of this. You know, you're taking to like, you know, two other characters. Well, why do you have to do both? Why can't you just focus on, you know, you know, uh, Shaw, and you know, get the the relationship mm. with the scene that the sisters introduced in this film, and then for your sequel, do the Samoa thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like you don't have to like go all in and yeah. both. And some of the jokes aren't serving the film when you're on a ticking clock, and I'll, I'll come to them when we. We get to them, but there's one in particular where, thinking about it today as a second viewing, I'm thinking what he's just done there is really dangerous for their mission, and I'll, we'll get to it. But it it's just, I just think it's trying to do everything, and I'm thinking, right, what are the base attributes of the Fast and Furious franchise? So even if you're going to do spin-offs, what's in the DNA that you want from the parent series that you go... This is a Fast and Furious presents. It's in the title. Yeah. So, so what do you keep? Is it about having cars as an underlying theme? Well, I don't think they really serve that, to be honest. Is no, it, yeah, this is, is this is kind of my point. It's kind of like this is, but as far as we've come, or from, from, if you go back to the original series, and obviously how it started off as kind of like you know, I was gonna say back street racing, but street racing, you know, sort of really street races and stealing DVD players. But yeah, I think obviously as we know the series has evolved as time's gone on but it's like yeah if you've got things of like action you know cars that sort of thing this is it doesn't is tick it, very many of those boxes or really is it, 
Or is it just the people? And if that's the case, you know, fuck all the rest of it. Let's just have a buddy fucking comedy between the yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. It could just be um, the cast. And so I just think they've got were, one of them. <laughs> they love the idea of having a spin-off with two popular guys who are both reasonably um, decent at pulling their weight at the box office. Um, the end result doesn't reflect any kind of vision and i'm not talking about auteurship particularly but if if you're going to pitch let's spin them off into their own show what's it going to be see the problem is i thought there was just too many things they wanted it to be uh and that's the problem with it with you know with it i think it just comes as weird mishmash they want to up the states they kind of like introduce this big sort of hyper cyber advanced um Group, should we say? Which basically yeah. could, like, you could think. I mean, I, I was thinking, well, you know, this could be a great Tony Stark villain, but we're not in a Tony Stark film, are we? So, no, uh, no, we're not. I mean, I, I think if, if I look at Idris as a villain in films, my mind goes to Star Trek Beyond, which is a better film than this. I, with the benefit of time, I, I don't really just love any of the well. I don't really love any of the Kelvin Universe films, but the one, the weakest bit of Star Trek Beyond, which was like a big budget original series TV episode, not Star Trek, the TV show, as people would know from its most popular period, which was probably the the 90s. But if you think what the original series was and the attributes of the average episode, Star Trek Beyond is like a big budget version of that. So when people say the Kelvin universe isn't Star Trek, I get why they say it, but Star Trek Beyond is if you're going to make a big budget version. And But the most undercooked part of that film, because they were rushing to hit the 50th anniversary, was Idris Elba's character. It was a bit confused and all over the place and a bit underwhelming. At least here, however ill thought through, I think they know what they want the character to be. And he does stand out here a bit more. I quite like him as an antagonist. Whether I like the idea behind what he is is a different matter. Mm. I mean, he he does seem to be enjoying himself as well. So he does seem to be like, oh, you know, enjoying the spotlight as a buddy. It's always nice to see see that. Because usually when you see Mm. actors who are typically portrayed, you'd think you'd get hero roles. That you think, oh, good, he gets a villain role and it makes a nice change. Yes, it's nice to see him kind of on the I'll other side, that. isn't it? I think, I'm... like, over here, he's kind of known for hero roles, and especially Luther on the BBC as well, sort of grizzled detective. Um, so it's nice to kind of see him on, on the other side. I mean, he's he's definitely, you know, as an antagonist, he's definitely menacing. And you kind of get the impression that he is a bit, you know, like, during one of the chase scenes, I think he gets dubbed, like, the Terminator, for example. Um, and he's very much kind of of that of that ilk, sort of very, like, superhuman. He'll always be, he'll always be Stringer Bell to me. Well, that's like, it. Well, is that, yeah, exactly. Senior in a drug gang, so I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily think of him playing against type. No, no, no. I, he, is, you know, he's comfortable on good. both in front of and behind the camera and on either side. You know, playing big bad or or hero, definitely. You know that he's going to sort of bring. I just wish 100%. if they. Yeah, I wish if they'd brought him into the series, they brought him into a better film than this. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I did kind of feel a little bit like, oh, you know, but uh, you know, he's one of the best things in it for sure. And yeah. If, if they're going to um, explore a little bit about um, Etion, I can never pronounce the name Etion, Etion. Um, Sounds like a about, you know, company. It does a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> oh dear. 
Um, what, what does it sound for? Uh, what does it stand for? What does it mean? Um, learn fuck all about this plot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Plot. It's, it's setting well, it's setting the series up. It's sowing the seeds for like future spin-offs, future sequels. You know, a whole new kind of spin-off series from this. So, you know, which is which is quite you good. Gotta, so really, you yeah. gotta give us a reason to care. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so beyond wonder if that's Han. I mean, that's not a that's that would yeah, be is it, next is it year. Han, probably, from beyond it? the on the grave is he dead does he come back again the third time we don't know um but no yeah i, I would agree um i think yeah just i was really effective here for sure um and i, I kind of felt like just hurtling towards the end there um the, the scene where he kind of dies off the cliff i kind of felt a bit like oh he just sort of his death was, was quite flat shall i say i kind of felt that it was a bit he just gets shut down by an external force and i was like oh is that it <laughs> you know which which doesn't which doesn't sound like a really sort of good good thing and a good deal, does it? Really think like no, oh great, really. you can upgrade your this, you know, you can just get decommissioned. Of... Oh, and then oh, but uh, what was catch? Well, you know, I can just like sort of you know, you know turn the off button and you die anytime I want. Yeah, considering uh... it was meant to be like unstoppable, it's like oh okay, Dick. But um, no, but you know, he's definitely he's quite menacing while he's on screen um, and gave a good performance. So. Probably one of the more memorable aspects of the film for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the, I think it's something about like using the the, the the styles and sensibilities of having both Rock and um, Jason Statham in, in in a movie. It is kind of a bit too dumbed down, a bit too cartoony. Uh, I think, I mean, yes, you know, Jason Statham works better when he's not taking himself too seriously and there's always going to be an element of humour in there but I think it just goes a bit too I think the you know the Etion aspect of it is just a bit too too much I think it probably could do being grounded to a degree and make it all about like you know the action the fist fights you know you know because you look at them too they, they, they kind of like well they, they're both yin and yang and they both in their own ways you know Hobbs is, you know, very sort of formal, tactical, but also just brute strength, whereas Hobbs is more roguish, but yet he's more, you know, accurate and elegant in terms of how, in terms of like how they he fight. Lives, so he lives a more refined life from what we see early in the film as yeah. well. But I, it, it, again, these spin-offs are always dodgy. It's a bit like the Marvel universe in that there's one bit where they're trying to like hack into. The, you know the, the the virus if you like mm. and that your first thought is you've come to Samoa to get expert help from your family on this but you were last here in the early 90s computers weren't as big a thing then so how do you know they had any fucking programming skills whatsoever um call Tej he's an engineer call Tej yeah, but, exactly. You, you, He's... <laughs> I'm sure you got him on speed dial. Yeah. Um, in fact, because those are interchangeable as well. But um, that's just something you get with sort of multi-part universes, I guess. But so much of this film doesn't make a little, a lot of sense, and they don't use it Gisela enough. In that, it's going to be Man with the Golden Gun syndrome. In that, in a few years' time, if anyone remembers this film, they go, oh, "I like Gisela in it." Just like we go, "Oh, I like Christopher Lee in it." When you actually go back and look at the screen time, it's just not there, and it's because they're you know they're busy pissing around on planes and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, and like small penis jokes. Um, and I just yeah, it, it just small. Yeah, well, 
I'll make a point about that in a minute because they're on a ticking fucking clock. And what does he do to him? But we'll get to it. Um, shall we discuss this film sequentially? If we must. <laughs> oh dear. I avoided trailers to this film, I think, because someone said to me there was like an enhancement storyline to it. You know, not unlike, right. not unlike what we got with um, whatever that fucking character was in in that Terminator film. That. I've forgotten five months on. Um, you know, an enhanced human with with extra skills and all the rest of it. And I don't think I saw a trailer because the first scene of this film took me by surprise. Like, what they can do. I just mm. thought, this is the same universe they were, they were robbing a bank at fucking eight years before. And they were, like, nicking DVD players, like, 18 years before. And now we've got, like, enhanced humans with self-riding bikes. This yeah, we've gone far clear. removed, haven't we? We've gone far removed towards the other end. Yeah, and and, and whenever you say to anyone that was ridiculous, they go, oh, it's a Fast and fr- fast franchise, what do you expect? And it's like, but there's limits to everything, surely? I wonder if we're going to see sort of like a Dying of a Day sort of syndrome where it's going to be like, or, you know, the series is going to get so fantastical, so out there, where they're just going to go, right, reset, or if there's going to re- be a reboot in five, well, six, good seven, nine, ten years. You look. You can look to eras of Bond, not the current era so much, but you can look no. at eras of Bond where they were all kind of far-fetched, but there were still limits. There were still films you'd got to where we knew and the filmmakers knew that I think we've gone a step too far now. We need to strip this back a little bit. Yeah, I need to reset back to... Uh, this series is at that point. It was at this point last week. Arguably even the week before. But the last two weeks have been films that are fundamentally damaged by the flaws, whereas before that it was like, well, this is ridiculous, but I'm enjoying it. Um, what? Do we, yeah, so we open with this sequence where we've got, I think she's MI6, isn't she? They're storming a warehouse to get yeah. like, a virus back. I don't think we know and much about it. And we get, yeah, get exhibition from like the most British like soldier accent ever. <laughs> yeah, he is a bit like that, isn't it? It's like, alright, you got to go get the you know, got a treat. Oh, governor. <laughs> yeah. Literally cramming in all the co- all the cockney, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. yeah. Because everyone in England is either like that or talk like Hugh Grant. Hello. Yeah, we're, we're, we're the posh. There's or... nothing in between. <laughs> no, there's no regional accent. It's like, Oca- oh, occasionally we throw in a scouser just for just for variation. <laughs> dear, dear. And they yeah. still don't know what he's on about. Yeah, yeah. A, a generic northern accent. Yeah, yeah generic north. Hey, you're yeah. wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Your city's only allowed in the music business, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works. Well, yeah, I, you know, my, my, my city's uh, made like the only banner ever existed to, according to half the population of, of Manchester. Yeah. Oh, right, really? Well, yeah, you sort of see some like sort of Stone Roses bands and you, and you think like, you know, they're like, the only band they fucking that make music it's just like existed. yeah it's just like okay oh, not, i'm so, yeah sorry but they're not that good <laughs> there are other I'm, bands I'm, I'm sorry they did not make the greatest debut album in the world i i, I would I, I think it's just okay <gasps> dun, dun, dun. controversial they're, they're actually they're in law a little bit like the tv show firefly in that Firefly gets remembered as this amazing lost classic, and actually, what it was was really promising. Mm. It, it 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 was a first series, it was a first season, and yeah. it, and it plays like a first season. It's still establishing who everyone was and stuff like that. But that sci-fi melding with western 
was really great, but it was nowhere near its peak as a show. So if you're saying we've lost what we could have had, I get it. But if you look at what we did get and think that's the greatest thing of all time, I think you're fucking deluded. Yeah, I think it, it, it didn't get a chance to fuck up, really, did it? <laughs> I liked Firefly, but that's all. I just think, like, had it kept running by season three or four with everything, like, holding together, it might have been really good. But you don't know that for certain, because you look at something like the Battlestar Galactica remake and it fell on its ass after the first couple of series. So you just never know. But, um, yeah, so anyway, Manchester, just music, that's all. Not No films. And the thriving cultural scene. Um, It's great when something's set down in my part of the world because everybody does the same accent who's not from here. Like, like there's one accent for the whole of the West Country. (laughs) That's that's what that's what made us laugh about. Like, obviously, at the moment there was uh, the other weekend there was supposed to be poisoning, sort of a dramatical retelling. Of um of the Russian spy case that happened in Salisbury a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, we all sign. We all sound like we're from Bristol, apparently. And it's like, no, we don't all sound like that. I mean, I, you know, I've, no offense to anybody who is from that area or does have a West Country accent. It's fine. I don't think I sound like that. Do you think I sound like that? No. No, we don't sound like that. No, you don't sound like that. Charlie's got kind of a Bristol accent. <laughs> well, yeah, which is fine. Yeah, so nothing wrong with it. But we just kind of thought, well, I mean, obviously. Like the the lady sadly passed away. Her family are sort of from Downton, so they're probably going to have like a little bit more of an accent. But it was just a bit of a broad brushstroke. Like we're from Wiltshire, so therefore we must we must all sound like farmers, or we almost have West Country accents. Like no, it's not yeah. how we sound. I, but that was our it. biggest takeaway. I've got to drive for hours to get to fucking Becca. She's miles up. From <laughs> well, likewise, I've got to travel a few hours to get to you, Dave. So yeah. and even more if we ever to make it to Manchester. So. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we we wouldn't go up there unless we were making albums because that's all they do. That's it. <laughs> Same Roses concert. Here we come. Yes. So. And, so. Uh, and, and culture at our kid. Our kid. Yeah. Yeah. We'll all come out of like broad northern accents. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I just suddenly reminded that Kevin the Perry sketch where like Perry goes to like Manchester and comes back and he's all like swing. <laughs> he's, he's like Oasis. Yeah. 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 While while drinking literally a soft drink called Oasis. Yeah, well, that's, that's what you do. Did you like a little beard on or something? Yeah. Yeah, alright, sound, yeah. <laughs> that is what he sounds like. It's funny how you naturally do the accent until you think about it and then you can't do your own accent. Is <laughs> <laughs> my accent Manchester though, really? I don't know. I'm I think I'm just pretty much. Is it? But anyway, right. So I think we've examined this scene in quite a lot of depth. I think we're trying to cover most of the UK. (laughs) Right, anyway. So Idris Elba turns up with his crew. Well, he just shows up on his own, doesn't he? Sort of, and then. Oh, he shows up on his own to start with. But yeah, basically, he's trying to take. So I'm not sure why the rest of the crew are even there because, like. No, they didn't have anything to do. So he's got someone to look right browned off to afterwards. He does. That's what it is. Yeah, this is so she. But it's just an action sequence that ends up with her injecting herself yeah. with the virus to keep it out of his hands. Yeah, she managed to get away. what's going on at the moment is quite prescient, really, isn't it? With the you know a virus threatening the world, so she gets away, but he sort of kills all her crew and makes it look like she did it. Yeah, that's it, really. Um, yeah, essentially, she's framed. Yeah, it's just, it's going to start a whole film of completely underwhelming action. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing that right about it either. 
Hence, we talked about Kevin and Perry for longer than we talked about the fucking action. <laughs> um, it's one of those examples where we were so bored with the film, we can easily rate the super hunks, you know. I didn't hate it for, for the virulence of what I said at the start of this. It's just... With the talent involved, it just should have been better. That's all. It's not It's not hateful. It's just like... Why oh, have no, you done of that? course, yeah. I mean, I've covered films in the last six months on this show. I've despised compared to this so um the waking up and going about their business they're so different but they're so the same chris okay what because they're that you know because they're so aligned but they're doing their, their things differently well yeah basically statham cooks himself some eggs dwayne johnson drinks some drinks some eggs they get in their cars around the same time stay for, right. yes yeah yeah he has a coffee Statham's in bed with a woman who never gets referenced again. No, yeah, who is she? Mrs. Statham. What, Mrs. Rose, Shaw. Um, yeah, no, we, we have no idea because he's getting off with someone later on and there's no reference to him being attached thereafter. So maybe he's no, just that good. With, maybe he's just that good with the honeys. Loves the ladies. Oh, yeah. Actually, maybe he's James Bond. We don't know. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Next, um... we see him behind the bar. Yeah, yeah. Hobbs goes, uh, sorry, yeah. Hobbs goes and exercises while Shaw goes and like pours himself a drink. Yeah, he goes and has a beer. But uh, I don't know yeah, what he's trying to communicate to us. He's very well dressed. He's got a lovely London apartment that there's no way he'd ever be able to afford, uh, along with a car. There's no way he'd ever be able to afford. And um, whereas, like, eleven in the morning. Whereas, um, well, whereas, like. Hobbs has a much more sort of rugged lifestyle, but they're doing essentially the same stuff. He's clearly back in the DSS now. Having quit at the end of the last film. Um, And eventually they're sent, they end up going to basically nightclubs, don't they? Separate ones. And it's all to do with finding out details about this virus. Yeah, so I think one's about like a virus that's like that that that's going around, and what and Stephen's particularly looking for this like new high tech company like uh, group, right? So because like yeah, because the because obviously Stephen has history with that previously with Elba, right? So he, he's more he's more aware about the the the, the you know the the, le- the electronic company, which it sounds like Ation. He's, that's where he's going in, and Rock's just trying to find out about this virus that he hears like that. That's that's going around or in development. Yeah. Uh, so he ends up dangling a guy out the window yeah. in sort of a very sort of posh nightclub, uh, and sort of demanding information for from him and not getting it, and hitting people with bottles and shit like that. Um, and Hobbs tattoos I love cops on the forehead of a tattoo artist. Yeah. Because you can do whatever you want when you're in law enforcement in <laughs> these films. I mean, talk about, like, you can't really hide that as evidence, can you? I, I've been abused by one of your officers. Really? Do you have any proof? <laughs> <laughs> it's, written all, it's written all over my face. Yeah, it's actually written yeah. in your face. In his handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I didn't do it myself. So, yeah, they're just so similar. So, Hobbs now goes to breakfast 
with his younger, slimmer daughter. They've basically cast someone a little younger and, yeah, a little less tomboyish than last week. And I mean, I no the offense time frame of these films is, you know, all over the place, really, isn't it? The kind of the timeline, even. She'll be a, <clears> baby. She'll be a bit, fucking so. two-year-old in Fast Nine, won't she? Probably, yeah. She'll be five or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think you know she's she's a good actress. Um, does quite well in the scenes. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that the timelines of these films just kind of a bit, a bit wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. And, 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 and I'll just remind that this is why you don't give Bond a kid. I'm not just... sure, but I'll hold out on that theory. No, finish your point, Chris. Well, why don't you give Bond a kid? I completely agree, by the way. But because what about this agree. film is telling you? Because that? because like the kid's going to be, have to be forever be at whatever age, uh, or so you know, so, so you can't have like you know, Bond like the series continue and then like you know, ten years he's got a teenager. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just it's it it it, it sends you've either got questions. to have him never see the kid, which is a problem. Yeah, or the kid die, which is just unnecessary, or. Um, or yeah, exactly. The, you've got to freeze the kid's age. James Bond forever has like a kid who's between five and nine years old, and and it just doesn't work for the character at all. Anyway, doesn't work for the character at all because it's just something tasteless about him out shagging and he's got a kid yeah. at home. You know what I mean? But yeah, this is go. why I'm not a fan of the it's it's his daughter theory. But it might be. I might be surprised by the film by the time the film comes it's, out. I don't know. It's all in the execution, but it really does then suggest that the whole Craig era has been a one-off experiment. Mm, we shall as see. As opposed to anything sort of sustainable. Um, it's been a long one-off era. And I've, I don't mind them do, trying the personal stuff and doing all that. don't think it's thoroughly wor- worked, but have a go. You know what I mean? It, it's fine to try something new, but yeah, I don't like the kid um, suggestion anyway. It's no more than a... For anyone listening who's tried to avoid Bond, Bond spoilers, that isn't one. It's just A, it's everywhere, and it's B, a rumour based off one very... Full, off one article that was full of supposition anyway. I would say we'll yeah. probably have to add um, a spoiler warning at, at, at the front. Even though it kind of technically isn't a spoiler, we'll still have to probably stick a spoiler alert at the, at the top. I mean, it could it could be Madeline's kid, not Bond's. Do you know what I mean? It could. It yeah. could. Yeah. I think I'm a big fan of the clone theory. It could be a clone, but yeah, he's to say it might be Madeline. You never know. Great. So they're going to sort of rip off Austin Powers again. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering: are they going to go down that route and be like, oh, what? It's, no. it's, it's actually an adult, but it's one eighth Madeline. One eighth size. size. It's actually <laughs> mini me back from the dead. But it, or or it could be a clone of of Madeline when she was younger, you know. That's kind of. Well, he could just have a farm where he grows like his future girlfriends. <laughs> Probably. Just like, that that one will be oven ready in about fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> the man from MI six. He say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He doesn't run the farm. He's too busy saving England. He turns up in his man from Del Monte. <laughs> takes a quick look. When he sees one that looks about the right age, he gives her a bit of a snog. Stays, but stands back, and You'll the do. farmer waits for his thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> and that's not a euphemism. And, <laughs> and he's like, you know, and then he does that sort of chef's kiss thing, <laughs> and they're like, yay! <laughs> And then she gets sort of boxed and mailed to London the next day. Oh, on ice. Oh dear, in very small boxes. 
Well, that's because uh, no one's used a box yet. No. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Right. Anyway, moving anyway. on. Anyway. It's going to be that kind of show, folks. This film's crap. Anyway, right. <laughs> so breakfast, and I don't even know what they're talking about, but who cares? And it's, then it's right cheat day, so Rock's having like you know the menu. A massive pile of pancakes. It's like great. Yeah, it's right. a big ass pile of pancakes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because you've got to stick to like pro- protein. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, she she gives them like you know family treats. So cheat day. We have no family, and he's like, but oh, okay. Join a family yeah. tree. Oh, that's it. She's been working on a family tree. That's like, yeah, okay. We never find out what happened to her mother or anything, so... Yeah. Which is... Okay, so Ryan Reynolds sidles up to the table to fucking nauseate all of us. <laughs> Better end. He, he's, he's quite close to, like, rubbing Dwayne Johnson's thigh. <laughs> because his whole humour is, maybe I do swing both ways, maybe I do love you. You know, and it's yeah, not fun. Yeah. Just not funny. Yeah, it's it, uh, the uh, topics. The topic's not the problem. It's the execution. It's just not that funny. It's it's just a bit too much, Ryan Reynolds. I think I, I think that's what well, it's, 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 it's all the way up to eleven. It's it's an expository scene, really. If you think about it, he's in in script mechanics. He's there to just give us some information and, and effectively mm. recruit Hobbs. That that's all that yeah. scene is. But they've waxed themselves silly over the fact they've managed to get like Ryan Reynolds in for a cameo, and he's big mates with the director anyway. Because bear in mind, it was largely from it's rumor, but it's good rumor in that I tend to believe it that it's Ryan Reynolds' uh, fault that Tim Miller wasn't there for the second one. He, you know, they didn't really get on, and he chose this guy to replace him. So yeah, they're 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 tight. And um, they've just got too excited about this scene. Every time you see Ryan Reynolds, bar one, I think he's on the same set. So I think they had him for a day mm. or two. And they've just let him like riff for those two days and decided everything he says is gold. It, it's almost Jim Carrey irritating. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh... You know, I mean, even I, I appreciate Becca likes Jim Carrey, and I wouldn't insult that. But if you take a film like Batman and Robin, there's no clear direction on him. They've just let him riff and gone. This is all gold, and put it all in. So you know he reacts to something with about four four kiss off lines, and none of them are funny. And it's a bit like that. Yeah. So he's there, like with his match. To, also, like sort of thing, giving like you know talking about Game of Thrones, which just dates it. Instantly. Um, what uh, film did they? What film did they use that in where it worked? Uh, was it was prison scene in a film. Yes, it was. Wasn't it Logan over. Lucky? That's it. Yeah. Uh, it worked in that film because you didn't need to know. I don't think what they were saying was import as important as the context. Yeah. So the fact that they're arguing about some contemporary TV shows, the point. Uh, whereas here. It's cultural reference, and you're right, it's just going to get lost, isn't it? Particularly as the last season was supposedly so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it had already happened by the time this film came out, I think. So, yeah, I, I, it wasn't great. And then he's showing him his tattoo, and I'm just like, can we get to the point of what this is? And you're being a fucking creep in front of a child. 
and also discussing sens- sensitive um, information in a public area. Yeah, there's this poison. <laughs> Can I get some more coffee? <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, he's, the, he's there like showing off like, yeah, I've got, I've got a tattoo and you just be like, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. That's either an elaborate joke or you genuinely have. So you're either the most elaborate trickster in the world who likes winding Hobbs up or you have some genuine obsession with him. And at the end of the film, when you have a conversation with each other, you're back to being like work colleagues. What the fuck is this? And I think that that's genuinely a bit unsettling. I, I wouldn't care if there was homoerotic tension between them. That's not the problem. The problem is we don't know what we're watching. And this is, this is a, an expository scene that's kind of going nowhere is rather creepy in front of a kid and because we don't really know what this relationship is i'm finding this unsettling without really knowing why yeah i'm just thinking would it work better had it just ryan reynolds just showed up and just not made any gags just played it straight yes yeah he's literally delivered his line and that was it yes he's got enough star power to make a bit of an entrance with that it's fine and it's not a you know there's Ryan Reynolds when you go go, you know, go and read his Twitter feed it's really funny he spends most of the time trolling his own fucking wife and kid it's funny you know <laughs> he's he really quick a, isn't he he's, he's you know he's, he's on the ball he's sharp he's quick yeah, to reply but, very funny you know I, I just think with any of these guys Robin Williams as great as he was any of them they need a little bit of editing and a little bit of direction and if you do just let them riff you've got to do a bit of work on it in the editing room you don't just go well we've got Ryan Reynolds this is all brilliant what are you worried he's going to sack you from Deadpool 3 if you cut anything so yeah anyway um, so he's told about the snowflake isn't it yeah and he's reluctant to help and you think you were investigating this in the last fucking scene don't tell us you're not interested now yeah, hold on a minute. So this this is all over the place. It's like, is is he in or is he out? And I don't mean that in the what, what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, is he like... is he in the mission or is he out of the mission? Make him wind up. Yeah. Um. At the same time, uh, Shaw sees like... his uh, mum in prison. Mum, uh, who seems to be wearing <sighs> quite, a, she's wearing quite a designer prison uniform. Mm. <laughs> she's still very much got a like Bubs Windsor or, you know, sort of. As we said last time, it, it's it's always modelled on like the the mother of the craze and things like that. Yeah, very much that kind of gangster uh, um, stereotype. Yeah, I like Helen Mirren. I've always liked Helen Mirren. You know, yeah, she's she's really um, good. Has a cameo role here, definitely. I mean, um, I mean, she I mean, gives as, it you as, know, everything. As great as Judy Dench was, if you'd said to me in the mid nineties, cast a female in, I'd have picked Helen Mirren. Um, I'm not saying she would have been better than Judy Dench. I'm just saying that would have been the first name to mind. Um, I, I like her, and I like her in most things, but I'm not sure about this character. Are you? Uh, it's fine for what it is. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, 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 it's it's funnier, more charming than Ryan Reynolds. Uh, well, there's a bit of charm to this because she's a little bit of a troublemaker in prison, yeah. and it's like it's almost like the parent as the child. You know, the children have to come in and, like, control her. Mm. Um, it, it's better in execution. It, it is much, much better in execution. But... Yeah. And, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. places like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here for a bit of, you know, relax, really. <laughs> the one good line is, um, how, how long are you in here? Two years with good behaviour. So how long is that then? In four years? <laughs> 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 That's, that is a pretty decent line. 
and this film doesn't have many good lines in it. It has a lot of lines, but it's like a Roger Moore Bond film. None of them are any good. Um, so uh, after th- this visit is all about breaking her out and all that kind of shit, and it's yeah. just rem- when are you going to see your sister, you know, that kind of thing. Sister, eh? He's got a sister, has he? Ooh. And also, he loves his mum. And these films are, you know, he's, he's, he's a really nice bloke. Uh, he walks out of the prison and immediately meets Rob Delaney. Who, yeah. to Becca's obvious joy. Oh, from Catastrophe? <laughs> I don't really know Rob Delaney from very much. Um, I know the name. Um, yeah, so writer, writer, comedian. Go and check him out. Seriously, you won't be disappointed. Never saw catastrophe. For me, but... he was a delight. <laughs> so... um, and he's been on British panel shows. I must know him, and I do recognise him. So I, I'm, I'm looking to see what I know him from best. I mean, I would know him from a few things, but uh... oh god, his son died of a brain tumour at two and a half. Yes, it was very sad. I did not know that, and he suffered with depression and alcoholism. I'm not fucking surprised. Okay, no, it's film really sad filmography. <laughs> he had a deleted scene in Rocket Man as Elvis Presley. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I was gonna say did fun facts. No, I've not, I, to it. I have genuinely seen nothing he's been in, with the exception of Deadpool Two. He was that Peter character. I remember that. Yeah, also Deadpool um, Two, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I sort of mainly know him from Catastrophe, but yeah, but he's. Pops up in lots of different things. And, Very and he's, in, he's in the forthcoming Tom and Jerry film. Oh, God. Didn't know there was going to be one. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's kind of, that's there was a Tom and Jerry film where they all taught. There was a Tom, Jerry, Tom and Jerry Yeah, but this is a live action and animated sort of together. I suppose we've had oh, Chipmunks, God, really? we've had Garfield, we've had yeah, um, Yogi Bear. Um, well, Top Cat, well, not live action, but 3D um, CG animation. Right, I'll t- I'll tell you the bits that don't worry me, then I'll tell you the bit that does. Anyway, uh, because it's starring Chloe, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. That's fine. Uh, it is starring Michael Pena. That's absolutely fine. Ken Yong. Well, he's a bit broad, but okay. And then I look at the writers, and the writers have written stuff like episodes for Six Feet Under and Lost. So I think that's okay. And the other person's written. Book smart, which was a well thought off film, mm. and then you go directed by Tim Story. Oh, that's you go, everything you need to know. Bollocks, that was going quite well for a minute Up until that point. Um, the studio has obviously gone, ah, we'll hire you for this job. I didn't think his shaft film was that bad actually, but again, against what bar? The shaft remake is really interesting actually. This is the 2019 one, not the 2000 one. Oh, okay, well, the, yeah, I've not seen the. the the most recent one. I like the most recent one more than the 2000 one. Because I think Shaft is more Shaft in mm. that film. It's much more like, much more of a ladies' man and things like that. But they kind of go back to the when original. When you go back and watch the Witcher Grand Street film, which I did about six months ago, it's not that good. It just isn't. I'm sure it played at the time and it played to a certain audience, but it's, it's not dated that well. And it's not, I honestly don't think it's that good. Um, so against that, you watch a Shaft film this year, and it's like it's quite funny. It was funnier than the first remake, and he didn't do that bad a job on it. But it's you know those fantastic four films were fucking awful. And think like a man, and you know we'll see. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, Rob Delaney's not someone I know that well, but he's there to give 
he's just he's there to do the Ryan Reynolds bit for sure, really, yeah. isn't he? And the two sort of the two talk to each other later, don't they? Which is just gold. Yeah, just like uh, oh, well, you know, how so so yeah, but they can't wait to sort of like find out they're working together, eh? This with this film, the this uh, I mean, what what is that the next? Yeah, it is. It's straight to the next scene where they come together. Yeah, and it's, no it's your favourite bit. This is just emblematic for me. This is just the laziest shot scene in the entire Fast and Furious franchise. It's the laziest conceived scene in the Fast and Furious franchise. It shits on last week's film, which wasn't that good in itself. The insults are not fucking funny at all. And they take time, They take turns to give the insults like it's fucking music hall or something. I don't like this scene. I don't like this. I knew the film had problems as soon as we came to this. The insults are shit. And they go on for ages. And it's just embarrassing. I mean, even if you're going to play up this awkwardness around each other, they've just been put together and they're stood in front of, like, CIA, MI5, mm. whatever it is, professionals. And you just think, like, if you behaved like that in any job, you'd last five fucking minutes. It's pathetic. And it, But worst of all, it's shot with no invention and it's not funny. You just put the two of them in a room and they take turns to give each other insults which typically mm. involve like fucking each other's mothers or something. It's crap. Thoughts? Um, yes. Yeah, it's rubbish. The end. Right. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so basically here yeah, they, they, yeah, they have a bit of a bicker and Shaw walks off. And Hob goes right. Well, fine. Well, yeah. Now we got rid of that guy. Let's uh, let's do some um, investigation. So he yeah. he seems to find out where um, Hattie is. Right where I love the fact that they both find out different things because that's that's convenient. Yeah. Um, yeah. He finds Hattie and she go. He goes to her home, and it's booby trapped, and he has to find a load of fight a load of people. Yeah. Who I presume are looking for Hattie, but it's it's never completely sure. It just seems like Jason Statham turns up anyone anywhere he's contractually obliged to fight at least eight men who all take turns. <laughs> um, so yeah, and Hobbs actually encounters yeah Hattie yeah who's disguised who's herself. kind of well she's on the run she's disguised. Um, it's a small scene, but it's quite quite nicely chore- choreographed. The physical exchanges. Mm. Um. Yeah, they basically lightheartedly fight. If there's such a thing, um, Hobbs and Hattie have a little little fight, and you know, little moments like he pulls the, the a crash helmet off, which she's put on, and you know, her hair comes away with it because she's yeah. wearing a dark wig and things like that. He's just basically trying to sort of bring her in. Um. So Shaw has a massive fight in his house again, all very choreographed, pretty well, and hitting hitting guys with like the toaster and things like that. So mm. It's okay. Um, and she's taken in for questioning. And if you look at a plot synopsis, it says CIA headquarters. I'm presuming the CIA do have an outpost in the UK then, um, because this is still London. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Yeah. Top secret black site. Yeah. It probably it's it, it's probably a B and Q. <laughs> Wix. Mm. So yeah, he, he's questioning her and getting nowhere, and she's sort of 
giving it a bit of sass and what type of agent she is mm. and he is rather and how they're you're sort of the brawny type and then he quotes who does he quote Nietzsche or something yeah. like that to prove he's a brainy as well and that joke will come back later because she's like who's that Bruce Lee and it's like Nietzsche and there's going to be a flip of that joke later and how we'll yeah, all laugh who's that Nietzsche no Bruce Lee yeah, well, that, that, it's going to be a funny moment. I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> uh, <sighs> so uh, yeah, so this is where um, I think uh, it's where she's she actually for me came across like oh, general stuff where like you know Roxane, no, if she moves, shoot her in the face, shoot her in the face twice, and she's like, no, can't do that, sorry. You know, all that exchange. She's got a bit of sass about her. I think I I I seem to have a. I had the thought today of what I'm going to say and then it occurred to me I think I said it during the Mission Impossible series if you were making Pulp Fiction now she's Mia Wallace she's got she's just got that sort of self-comportment and screen presence and sass and attractiveness and everything and she and she has a history of wearing wigs and stuff like that she she could be like a a peak Uma Thurman type um I, I like her. I do like her quite a lot. I think I just think she's she just has she has star power about her. Um, I'd like to see a, a little bit more of what her range is, because I've only seen her in a couple of things. I, you know, I, I'm sure there's more out there from her that I've not seen. Yeah. Um, but I I think there's, I just think there's something there, and I'm just interested to see what it is. Um, she's done some national theatre and stuff like that, and I'm look. If I if I take a glance down through, she is gonna yeah she's gonna be in the next Mission Impossible. Um, but there's nothing. There's very little else I've seen. She's been in some stuff on TV. She played Princess Margaret in The Crown, but I only saw a couple of episodes of that. Uh, no, that's really good. I rec- yeah, I recommend watching that. That's a good show. Um, and she's. Played Stella Kowalski in a streetcar named Desire for the National mm. Theatre. Okay. Classic show with, um, oh gosh, Gillian Anderson. What, she was in it as well, was she on the National Theatre? I do believe so. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, um, she breaks out of her handcuffs and basically it's Shaw turns up, says it's his sister, um, and then Brixton attacks. Yeah. Uh, I've just watched, did they just randomly decide to name him after a part of London? I mean, yeah. did, did they did they think you know? Well, what are some London names? They nearly went with Croydon. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Croydon, Brixton, so it's South London. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of Brixton. Um, where else? Hyde. Okay. Yeah, and there's somewhere. Uh, oh my God! It's Bermondsey. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peckham. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Peckham. <laughs> London, yeah. Miami, Peckham. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you, yeah, you have the the scene where they break it. They 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 try and get Hattie because she's got the virus. Yeah, they're, um, they're trying to get her, they're trying to get her away to get the virus. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to make of this action sequence because it does finish with them falling out of a distance and being absolutely fine. I suppose it was an attempt to do something a bit different. Yeah. Running down the side of the building. At least they're wearing harnesses. I mean, if they were running down the side of a building without them, you know, all CG, I think, well, yeah, you've probably gone a bit far there, folks. 
it's like most of this film I didn't really care and it went on a bit yeah. too long and they were all falling a bit too far and they had so many reverses that I just thought just resolve this there's a plot point at the end of this they either take her and Hobbs and Shaw have to get her back or they don't let's fucking which is it which which is it to be you know and that's not a good sign during an action sequence and I've I've come to realize over the years of doing this show action's not the problem it it's the it it's the point of the action, the writing of the action, the pacing of the action. Do it right, it's great, but this is just bored. This kind of bored me, but I did appreciate they were trying to do something a bit different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so yes, they, they fight. Brixton finds out he's all pretty unbeatable. Yeah. Um, and they established, like, the, you know, the, the guns they, the, the bad guys' guns, they, they, you know, they kind of, like, you know, activate. With, with like special touch, yeah, because um, that's what you—that's what you want. Guns you can hack. I mean, fucking hell. Anyway, right. Um, I know. We we get to the only well, the only regular car chase of the of the film. Mm-hmm. Really, there's there's car sequences at the end, but it's not quite the same. And They're not. Rock looks fast. ridiculous in a big sports car. I don't know whether uh, they, they. Somebody pointed out that if you combine their sort of their wits, their chest measurements and stuff like that, they wouldn't fit in that car together. It's a McLaren. I forget which model of McLaren, mm. but it's a McLaren. And it, it's not designed for big people, full stop. And the two of them would not get in together. Jason Statham might be able to. If Jason Statham owned one in his life, he could get in there with his wife. That would be fine. But he, can, he, he couldn't get in there with. Um, Dwayne Johnson. And it doesn't look right, but at least it's a car scene. And again, yeah. I just think, when in the lifetime of this this podcast have I ever said, oh, why can't we have a car chase there? But I think it's just something about, that it's, it's fundamental to this series. And we get one car chase and it's really fucking underwhelming. It's got one good shot in it, which is mm. the final shot where Elba goes through a, the side of a bus. Yeah. Um, apart from that, it is really fucking underwhelming, and we—I couldn't believe. I think I must have misread my watch in the cinema or on my phone because I looked at—I looked for the time because the film had felt like it had gone on for a while, and we finally got to a car chase. And I remember saying to you, I don't know that it was on air. I think I said it off air to you. I said, I can't believe it was like 50 minutes till we got to a car chase. I'm watching it today. It's not. It's about 35 minutes or 38 minutes or something oh, like it? that. Yeah, it's it's less than I thought. Unless, again, I'm, I'm losing my eyesight and didn't read the fucking display properly. I'm sure it was 30-something minutes. But in the cinema, I thought it was about 50. Whichever is the case, it was a long time to wait for a car chase that ain't that good. Don't they immediately... They immediately... Elba gets back to base without her because he's been crashed through the side of a bus, which, again, is the one decent bit of the sequence. I mean, things like things like Dwayne holding a guy out until they hit a wall. I thought, it's going to... It's just... Oh, the timing of that, you, you know, I just thought even when you picked him off the bike, you dislocated your shoulder. Mm. Um, so they're just pushing this... They've been pushing it since film... Well, all the way through, really, but particularly since film seven that Hobbs is pretty much indestructible. And if if he is hurt, it's not that serious. Um, because, ironically, he got hurt in that film, but he should have been fucking killed. Um, yeah, he goes back to base and says, basically, um, he, he 
makes his crew basically frame them as as wanted men. Yeah, and it comes up on like Piccadilly Circus on the big displays and things like that because they. I'm not sure that ever happens though. Like, don't broadcast news or Piccadilly Circus, do they? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know if there's ever exceptions. I mean, if you were in Piccadilly Circus on election night, the exit poll might come up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, um, but I, d- I don't think you get you know J Jonah J- Jameson revealing that Peter Parker's Spider Man on there. <laughs> Um, but that's kind of what it is. I, I don't know, but it, it serves the film okay, though it's very convenient. Mm. London's quite a big place. The chance of you being staring right at Piccadilly Circus when that happens is not that likely. Um, it's like hearing someone's in New York and then just immediately ordering something to be displayed in Times Square so they'll see it. It's like, who, who told you they were in Times Square? <laughs> anyway, right? Uh, so they're now wanted criminals. And yes. What, what's this fucking Eddie Marson thing about? Yeah, so he's like the, the scientist I mean, who developed it. Finding him, I mean, because they they seem to know something about a Russian newspaper, and I'm like, I can't, rem- I didn't, I didn't grasp how they know that. Uh, they it was, it was the only they spotted you, you had this certain newspaper, and there's only one place that sort of sells that. Right, so it wasn't that something he'd written was in that newspaper or anything. It was just there's some shot of him somewhere carrying that newspaper. Conveniently, it sold at one stand in the whole of London. Yeah. And all they have to do is uh, buy and operate that stand for a, until he turns up for his newspaper. <laughs> Which, you know, he's gone on holiday for a fortnight, so... <laughs> Jason Statham stands there selling health and efficiency magazine for fucking two weeks. <laughs> now, now that I'll watch. <laughs> Packet of polos, my dear. Okay, yeah. You know, it's like, imagine if that had been the film he didn't turn. So conveniently, he turns up right away, and they, yeah, take him off to to talk to him. Yes. And he created the virus. As a way to spread vaccines, <laughs> uh, was he hoping everyone would get infected by airborne vaccines? Well, I, I thought he was like, well, I was like, you know, interested on that, you know, I, I was a believer, but I kind of, you know, no, came... I, I'm, I'm sure he says, no, they weren't what I thought they were. I developed it. I thought they wanted this from me. I was developing it to distribute vaccines and i'm thinking okay so say say you go and get you've got a flu vaccine if i'm around you and you sneeze i catch your vaccine so i don't have to bother no i think i think what it is is like it's it's that it's that kind of mission impossible 2 plot isn't it where they like create a virus and you create a vaccine and you get rich selling the vaccine whereas I think that's what he thought it was, but it's like it turned out like no, they just wanted just to just kill out. Kill he out did say they reprogrammed it, so I, I, there was something about distribution of vaccines. Yeah. I'm not going to argue it too hard because I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> I, I've, I've, yeah, I don't think it's worth it. The point is, it's the film telling us I look like a bad guy, but listen to me, I'm not. Yeah. Um, but I am bloody clever. Um, and of course, it's to to deliver the exposition that. It's going to the capsules will dissolve in her in a really specific time frame, mm. 
because if you swallow something like that into your stomach or or gets into your bloodstream, we all uh, process everything at the exact same rate to the second. And you can, uh, once it does that, she becomes infected and the virus is airborne, so she'll infect everyone around us. So it'll be a worldwide pandemic within a week. Can you imagine if this would have been due to come out in like April or May? It'd be pushed back, wouldn't it, indefinitely? Yeah, I don't know. We'd never be ready to watch it. It didn't bother me watching it. I can disassociate it from what's going on at the moment. It's one of those things, isn't it? But... It's kind of, you know, it's a, it's, a oft, it's a well-worn path. It's an oft, you know, trodden, you know, it's a, it's a sort of hackneyed um, storytelling trope, isn't it, pretty much? It yeah. just so happens that that happened this year in 2020. We are dominated by a virus that has affected the world. So, but yeah, it's just one of those things, really, isn't it? So, yeah, I tells... mean, virus is quite a common sort of plot point, yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a common plot point, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but you don't see it in a blockbuster every year. No, it's a fairly uncommon. What happened. But yeah, he's told that. So, basically, they've got two options. One is to burn her, and I mean, burn her down to ash. Um, they're immediately no on that one. And the second option is there's a machine that will take it out of you. Um, uh, but it's in the most impossible to get to place, so they've got to go to Moscow, and they've got but they've got plenty of time. It's all right. So uh, they've been told they've got a certain number of hours, so they immediately go into a pub or underground in a pub where he has a load of computers, a load of cars, and a pool table, and a rumpus room, and a bar, and a bar. Yeah. <laughs> And this place looks amazing. He stands there and immediately creates new passports for them. Now, the cover for, for Dwayne Johnson looks like he's dressed a bit like I imagine Bing Crosby might have done on this golf course. But that's a guess. Uh, but he calls him Mike Oxmall. As in my cock small. So that's for a big laugh at like customs. That in itself, fine. You're not going to get held up for having a name that's a euphemism. Um, <laughs> unless it's something really that is never a name. Although whether Oxmall is a surname, no idea. Um, mm. But he does something to his security level. So the rock will get taken away and get like an anal cavity search. They're on the clock. I don't. It's just like, why would you? Why would you piss around with this sort of stuff now? I, he just doesn't want rock on, on with him. Really, that's it. Right. Okay. That probably answers the point. It's just. I, it just struck me as like it, it's a joke when you've already had the joke. The joke was Mike Oxmall. Anal cavity searches. Really. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So just hold hold him up so he doesn't get catch the plane, and then. Yeah. I saw that with my sister, we'll sort that out. So they get on the plane and they're talking about, like, you know, he's going on about fucking her sister. And they're bickering so much that Kevin Hart comes and talks to them. And breaks it he's up. Hard, yeah, he's hardly ever in it, isn't he? He's like a cameo role. Uh, I don't know what made I them think... I totally forgot he was in this film. I do apologise. I don't know what made them think. Let's go get Kevin Hart. I don't. I don't mind his. I don't mind him. I don't mind him in this. He's a little bit like sort of the queue, isn't he? He's kind of got all the gadgets, got all the you know things that they'll need. Um, or not. I don't know. Well, it's yeah. It, it gives a, a token which can get them onto any of the star destroyers. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, hold on a minute. 
they're immediately able to tell he's an air marshal because everyone immediate everyone in this series immediately pegs everybody they ever meet as mm. like exactly what they are. It's okay. But yeah, I mean, even I was thinking at this point, I know it's kind of a comedy, but the tone's all over the place anyway, because we're talking about deadly viruses and one of them might be dead in a few hours. Mm. Um, they're on a night flight. I mean, it's dark on this plane. And they're having a row and you just think like... The people in the seats are not going to turn around and go, shh. Like, like, grow up for fuck's sake. This is not, this is not like charming. This is not Riggs and Myrtle. This is shit. That's the word I was looking for. Shit. <laughs> I get the impression Dave didn't like the film. Um, yeah, I get that impression too. It's just everything they're trying is not really working. And yeah. the trouble is, because I can see the appeal of these two together, and I quite like Vanessa Shaw, and there's some talent behind the camera, I'm th- I'm just thinking like... Should be better. It just should be better. And I just think like, I appreciate that when you put these two together the chalk and cheese aspects, but they're both cheese really, do you know what I mean, would be in play. I expect there's going to be some bickering and shit talking, but it's excessive shit talking. And I know it's not real, but when you're doing it on a night flight, me as a viewer, instead of going, look at those two, I'm going, what a pair of fucking bellends. You know? And and when he's like taunting him about fucking his sister, I'm thinking, that's not particularly funny. It's not particularly Hobbs-like though, is it? And it's not particularly Hobbs exactly. He's been relatively asexual in this series. Now, he's got a daughter. He's not asexual. But he is respectful of the females around him. Always. Mm. He worked He worked with Mrs. Hemsworth for quite a while. And she's like an attractive lady. And there was never any hint of that. He was like a mentor figure and a boss. So it's it's just, it's not working. And, and they were having a barbecue at the end of the last film. Guys, fucking think through what their relationship is and why they're falling out all of a sudden. Because um, you've just shat on Fast 8, which weren't good anyway. So they go straight to Moscow. And then they cut to Moscow. Um, and me... Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit like that. I can just imagine when they get to Samoa, just a load of question marks coming up on the screen because, like, sorry, we don't know much about that culture. Um, this is so they meet with you know they meet with a bunch of like fit ladies because that's how it works. Who's that's not like, the shape of the series. Give them guns and shoes. I saw shoes there. But what, and... what was odd though is like because obviously this is like Statham's like like you know one of his girlfriends kind of thing. Presumably, and, and they, you know, they do. They have a good old snog, and and Hobbs and um, Hattie are sat there going, like, like shocked as if they, as if they, what? He kisses other women, really? Joe, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, why? It, that, why their why? reaction, their, their reaction is like she, he's just bent her over the table in front of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like. It, it's a kiss. All right, it's going on a bit, but like even so, and again, it's going on a bit. It's like you guys, you feel like tapping your watch. Like, come on! And then they're given Halo equipment because, like, that's something you could do without any practice. Because um, <laughs> that's in yeah, everybody in law enforcement must have done loads of Halo drops. 
Yeah. And even and then so they go to like do this halo jump, high altitude, low opening. And um the rock decides to just set states off. It's like this is theoretically at least quite dangerous, right? I mean, look, if they if they went for more of a like more flat out comedy vibe and it's just like the two of them just like doing all this stuff all the time, like got this really sort of sound sensitive, like dangerous mission we need to you know do for the But it's serious one minute and fucking ridiculous the next. Yeah, but if it was like, okay, that's the setup and they just keep like dicking around by by trying to screech of it over. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> that could be quite funny. <laughs> yeah, like Riggs getting Myrtle to do the fucking chicken dance in his pants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I thought I saw an error in the CG because they, they go down like this chimney, don't they? But it looked from the wide shot like one of them missed and then it cut to like inside and they were both landing. So whatever. And I'm going to shut up now because I've got nothing to say about any of this. This this whole Russia thing is just mm. boring. Well, uh, yes, basically the plan is they break in, they do a Mick Jagger, as they call it. Yeah, that's a funny joke that doesn't really work. They, it's flashbacks to them as children, isn't it? Yeah, so they set up like, you know, uh, Hattie to, to, to go in as if say, you know, she's been captured because they want the virus out, out of her. Um, and, but they they end up getting captured because they, they're, they're expected. Hattie manages to escape. Yeah, so then, and then there's like a fight. The scientist guy gets killed because uh, he, he helps out. And yeah, there's basically sort of big, big chase out. The whole place blows up. And I was like thinking, well, sure, if, if one of the, th- the things is like you want the virus to, to get out of Hattie, sure you let Brixton do that first and then and then fuck shit up after that. Surely that's the plan. Yeah, he's got it, but at least it's out in the open. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's in case, you know, you, you take the time sensitive issue out of it. Yeah, then they were like tied up together and electric shocks and they're finally learning they've got to work together because the Mick Jagger gets referenced. Mm. And I, ju- I just, I just lost interest at this point because I thought we were in Act Three. We are, but it turns out there's a fucking Act Four as well. Um, <laughs> this goes beyond. It, well, yeah, because I thought this was like the denouement because I'd lost track of time entirely. This is the first time I've seen it. This time, obviously not. I thought this was all building to like, you know, Daniel Craig shooting a can of Dr Pepper and the whole place blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> and then that had another act as well. It, it, if I could just concentrate the sunbeams with my magnifying glass on this. Yeah. I, I thought about that the first time I saw it when I saw Statham in, in that nightclub with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> so I thought he, he's going to use the cork of that to blow the place up. Uh, um. Yeah, there's this sequence where they're escaping from the place and Statham's not on one vehicle and then he is and Hattie climbs in the window and then she's momentarily straddling the rock and it's like, ooh. No no romantic tension between them at all, but she's momentarily wet. And I, I just don't fucking care. 
They've got the they've got the kit though. They've got the kit, but it's broken. Yeah. But they they know the one guy who can fix it, and it's it's my brother who's, who's who last time I heard was a mechanic. So. Yeah, it's my brother who was a mechanic in 1993. So <laughs> if we go there now, because I think we've got plenty of time to fly to Samoa. <laughs> so that's what they do. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, shit, they're going to go somewhere else now. I thought this was the end of the film. They're now going to go somewhere else. And we've hinted it's Hobbs's family. So theoretically, you're going to have to like introduce us to his family at least. Oh, fuck, this is going to drag on for ages now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I thought, if they're going to Samoa, nothing, again, I don't want to knock his pride in his culture, but I was aware he was a producer on the film, so I thought, oh, is this going to be a load of self-indulgent bollocks? I bet we see another hacker. And, yeah, so they fly to Samoa. Again, it's like, how, how much time have they got? Until she's plugged in, we've never any idea. The mm. only ticking clock on her ever be- becomes how long it's going to take to get that out of her, as opposed to how long before she's, like, lethal, which is just like, well, why give a fucking time frame in the first place? Uh, it's except, ridiculous, isn't it? Well, it is if you're going to fly across the globe twice. Yeah. Uh, and if you're going to do that, you don't give 30 or 40 hours, you give, like, 72 or something. Exactly. It's always, it's always convenient. Just, doesn't make any sense. And they, yeah, they get there, and his brother hits him, and eventually he tells Hattie the story. I'm jumping forward a bit. The story is yeah. Let's skip. Let's skip that, right ahead. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't mind coming back to this, but the point from him being hit was he broke up the family by grassing up their father because their father was using them on like robberies and that sort of thing. We mm. assume. He was a criminal gang and he used to take the kids on it. Only he could see that they were being used. So eventually shopped his own father and the family haven't really spoken to him since. Except mother clearly holds no grudge whatsoever. And that's it really. They've got to get ready for Shaw coming to them. How does Shaw know where they are? Is there a tracker in this thing? No, no, no. They they brought Shaw with him. Short and Hattie with him. You're thinking of Brixton. Sorry, that's what I meant. How does yeah? Um, how does how does Brixton know? It probably would would have would have explained it. I'm sure. Right. Okay. Shooting schedule day forty six Samoa. Right on my way. <laughs> um. So they've got to get ready, Skyfall style, for an attack on the homestead, and just like Skyfall, the gun cabinet's empty. God, it is as well. So, man. just like if you remember in Skyfall, what uh, Daniel, what Bond and M did was strip to the waist and go out and do a tribal dance. <laughs> um, uh, uh, um, so, yeah, they've got to prepare for the arrival of Shaw, which is going to involve them using, I don't know, fucking baseball bats and the power of dance. And and they and they hack the system, don't they? So they they can't fire their weapons. Not for six minutes, because again, this film loves its ticking clocks. Why would you have guns you can fucking hack? That's, yeah, that's silly. That's just mental. 
That's kind of going into the uh, X-Men territory. Palm prints, yeah. I mean, if you use that old hackneyed Bond plot device of saying, you've got to be on my crew to have the right palm print or whatever. So when Hattie went to shoot Brixton and couldn't, it's like it's not encoded to you. But no, you can hack into their guns. I, I don't even know if that's a thing anywhere. No. But, but no, cyber definitely enhanced. So they repair, they uh, they do something with the fucking cars, which are all shit. Yeah. Um, they hack into the computer so that they can get the guns locked out for six minutes, which might be all we need. Because that's Jason Statham, born in Derbyshire, but sounds like, you know, Elephant and Castle. Um, <laughs> he didn't grow up anywhere near London, but there you go. Because um, I thought, where's he from in London then with that accent? No, it's like he's, dog... he's kind of got where he's been in America, obviously. He's, I think he's kind of de- developed a bit of a like transatlantic accent. I can't hear as that. Well. It, sound, it, sounds, it sounds southeast to me. It sounds kind of all over the place. So. Um, but but he, he, he was born in Derbyshire and he grew up there and Norfolk, mm-hmm. which, which has my accent, but it goes up at the end of sentences instead of down. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's a bit strange. But anyway, uh, so they're going to hack into the guns. They've also fixed the device that gets plugged into Hattie and it works. And she's got 30 minutes to stay alive and away from them to take it out. And after that, I don't give a fuck. Something to do with cars and the power of Dwayne Johnson's biceps. Oh, it's always always down to his biceps. Yeah, he's, he, he, he basically becomes like... Captain America in the Winter Soldier during this. He can just hold like ultra hero. Just hold like well no, I just mean holding the fucking um helicopter down and stuff. It's crazy. There's is an epic stunt though, definitely. This all bored the shit out of me. I just wanted the film to finish by now. I didn't care. Yeah, again, this is like yeah. for me, this is one of the endings of the movie. You kind of think, well, okay, yeah, it's an, it's an amazing, you know, ball to stunt. Yeah. Visual's really good, you know, you can't really see the joints too much. But I kind of thought, right, well you could probably end the film here. You know, this is you know one of the for me one of the many endings of the movie. You know, they could yeah. kind of this is another cut yeah, off point. Yeah, I would have just like have the fucking helicopter crash, but no, they've got to have the face to face where we get final confirmation the two of them have learnt to work together. Yes. So it's a really kind of so what fucking fist fight with this guy, who's yeah. Like, there's no kind of real sense of consequence really, is there? Well, kind of thinking so. It all slows down after every punch, though, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it, it, well, part of that is because he can see them coming, and he's got like a display in his eyes and that sort of thing. And they 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 call it out early in the film. He's like the Terminator, and it, and he kind of is. He's even got like a display. Yeah, he's it's, got this display, hasn't he? He can kind of anticipate every move, and and they're not quite sure whether they want to keep this character. To cut a long story short, they end up working together. They beat him up, and he fucking dies. That's it. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not at their hands though. Is it? It's one of those things. He's literally he's kind of shut down. Yeah, but they've beaten him. Yeah, I just, oh. and and the Etienne and the voice is saying, "I'll be back, gadget, next time." Next time, and then yeah, then and then, then but that's basically it. The, we have a few cutaway scenes of them like breaking the uh, mum out of prison, um, or about to. They take a cake yeah. to her that's got C four in it. And how long have you worked, dear? Because she she did that early in the film to somebody mm. because she can pounce on sort of inexperience and uh fucking ryan reynolds in another scene where the film wants to set up but that's not the end of the story 
there's worse to come. That's all there's, they want to tell us. There's a new virus out there. Well, oh, by the way, I've got to lathers on for ages. For what's a credit scene, it he blathers on forever. It doesn't melt your inside. This is your outside. Your fit. Shut up. That's it, isn't it? That's pretty much it. Oh, yeah. Oh, huge anus. <laughs> um. Yeah, he gets him back for the Mycock small joke. That's it. Final thoughts. Fucking rubbish. I don't like this film very much. It's not as hateful as some. I've I've likened it to um. Rise of Skywalker in a few places. I, I had more problems with Rise of Skywalker. That doesn't even hold together as a fucking story. And the ticking clock in that is far, far stupider. But nothing about it really works, and it should have done, and that's a shame. Uh, Statham and, and Dwayne Johnson both have bad films on their records, and I don't expect them to knock it out of the park every, every time. But we've seen the dynamic between these two characters. We've seen... I, I like Dwayne Johnson's character in the series, by and large. I think it's really, it, you know, he inhabits just an all-round good guy. And the writers have, have got decent things on their records. And, it, you know, it's just like, this is the director of the first John Wick film. Albeit not named, but everyone knows they were co-directors on it. And it doesn't work. The, the humour doesn't work. The whole setup doesn't work because... You've got to forget Fast 8 ever happened. Um, the the filming of it is uninventive, particularly dialogue scenes where it's just, well, let's point the camera at him now, and now let's point the camera at her. Uh, none of it makes sense. They fly all over the world. It's got Becker's right. Just it, it just so many points where you go, that'll do now, and then it goes on a bit more. And it's just kind of self-indulgent nonsense, and it's the same length as like the last two or three Fast films, but it felt a clear half an hour longer. I, I didn't enjoy this. Um, I know a lot of people did, but I just thought, this is lazy. If, if your whole idea is to put these two in front of a camera and, you know, comedy and action gold follows, well, it's not that easy. If it was that easy, we'd all be fucking doing it. That's it, really, from me. Yeah, I can't really add much more. I mean, yeah, it's just, this film really did have quite a lot going for it as kind of, you know, spin-off into, into the series, which is Entertain Us Now, for you know a lot of years a big chunk definitely since the early 2000s for sure um and now it seems that you know this kind of this spin-off is going to breathe new life into the series it's a great cast great crew interesting director um just kind of falls flat really i mean there are sort of little pockets of sort of humor um you know strong strong performances um from a few standout um standout cast members um but so yeah, if you kind of you know if you want kind of action, fast pace, you know action, um, amazing set pieces, this film is not for you. <laughs> if you're expecting you know very much the same of you know what we come to expect from the Fast and Furious series, this is kind of like it doesn't it, you know it doesn't directly tick the the sort of the boxes there. I mean you've got some some you know some reference to some classic cars. There's certainly you know big you know big vehicles and some definitely impressive like. Um, set pieces and, and stunts for sure um, and again you kind of got a glow popping nature of it as we come to expect from the series now but apart from that it's probably about as far removed as a, from the origins of the Fast and Furious series um, as as we can perhaps perhaps get without mm. going into kind of like Bourne, Bond, Mission Impossible territory um, or even going into realms of you know fantasy or comic book movies for example um, I yeah, there's, there's so much going for it it yeah. just kind of felt a bit like oh you know that's a shame um I found yeah. myself missing the regular crew. I don't yeah, know. yeah, likewise. Mm. Yeah, anyway, yeah, Chris. 
Uh, yeah, not really much more to say other than already said, really. It's just a bit of disappointment. Didn't hate it, but, uh, you know, um, yeah. But, you know, with the cast and, and, and the talent and the potential. It... That's the point. You rate against what you think you're going to get to some degree. We have covered many worse films than this. And I'm being probably excessively harsh on this. But whilst I don't expect high art, a Hobbs and Shaw film should be better than this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it should at least kind of live up to those expectations. And that's all you've got to say in it. So, um, but however, I don't feel I know enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm slating what I don't understand, Chris, and you should never do that. It's the yeah. first rule, you know. Don't don't shit talk what you don't understand. It it's it's up it it's up there with don't touch what you can't afford. <laughs> so I, I I haven't touched. And you had your mitts all around something. <laughs> yeah, and I immediately I, I immediately dropped what was in my hand. Um, when I heard that, um, I'm I'm hoping um, Becca can give me more knowledge so that I can pick something up and give it a bloody good scene to, <laughs> or or, or, or um, something. I may not have thought that through. Becca, Becca. oh dear. So <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find out like interesting tidbits about this film. No, but quite interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, fun fact number one, obviously, Dwayne Johnson tried to get um, Jason Momoa to play his brother in the film, um, but he was unable to due to scheduling conflicts. So, in steps, Roman Reigns, um, legendary WWE superstar. Who I've um, never heard of. Who's his cousin? <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, they're related to cousins in real life, which I think is pretty cool. Um, it, it, I think that's quite, pay, I think that's quite having, interesting. It pays having you, uh, you know, you, a relative. Well, it does, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay can't tell you what they are, but apparently he does some of his finishing moves in the film. Stacks are both dead now, aren't they? So they could <laughs> they could have stepped in. No, sadly not. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Yeah, fun fact number two, the Etion, or Etion, however you pronounce it, the HQ building. Obviously you mentioned McLaren earlier on in the film. Um so the the HQ of the villainous organization is actually the McLaren Technology Centre, um where the F one Formula One team is based. Um, fun fact number three, this is the third Fast and Furious film not to feature Vin Diesel after Too Fast, Too Furious and Tokyo Drift. Fun fact number four, during the London chase scene, um, Brixton's motorbike changes shape whilst he's sliding under that, that massive truck lorry thing. Um, and in in that kind of like during that transition, you hear a bit of a, um, a sort of very tricky sound effect. It's from the Transformers cartoon and it made its way into the, um, the live action film as well. Um, not so much a fan of the series of films. But definitely loved the cartoon growing up, and I was like, I recognise that sound effect. Um, and yeah, it's from Transformers, which is pretty cool, um, as the bike literally transforms around him. Um, fun fact number five, um, as we mentioned a little bit during the during the show as well, the voice of the director um, of Etion. Um, sorry if I mispronounced that. I'm really rubbish at these things. Um, yeah, so I they... saw the film eight hours ago, and I've got no fucking idea. No, like Chris said, it does sound like a like an energy company or like an electronics firm or something like that. Is doesn't sound particularly menacing at all um but apparently yeah the voice of the director was due to be keoni reeves um but after discussion with um with the show's producers and director they kind of felt that creatively it wasn't really the right choice so it was left to be a, a composite of of a few actors and actresses um but the actual identity was was left open so who knows who it will be hopefully we'll find out soon 
Well, it'll like, either like matter or it won't. This did sort of three quarters of a billion at the box office, so it's it's perfectly feasible there'll be another Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, mm. and the sequel will probably be greenlit off the back of it. No problem with that. I mean, there's, uh, it's not it's not impossible to make a decent Fast and Furious film because we've seen them. It's not impossible to make a decent film with these two. This just isn't it. Yeah, hopefully it'll be better this time around. But it, it wasn't hateful. It just should have been better. I, I rank it quite low in the whole franchise. I mean, across the whole thing, I think I, I went in sort of thinking it was five, six, seven in in that order at the top, and then sort of probably eight, four. I wasn't sure about. I thought that'd be a bit further down, but that would probably be next. And then it's probably like this in and amongst sort of two and three. I'm not quite sure where it stands next to one because it's so different from the first one. Um, but yeah, it's sort of in the bottom four, if you like, out of nine for me. Fast Five is the best film we've covered in this series for me, and it's not close particularly. Six and seven are good though, mm. and I enjoyed four, which surprised me because I remember seeing it once and being really bored. I've enjoyed doing the series. Um, it just took three, we- well, it took four weeks to get to anything I really liked. Although the first film was more enjoyable this time than I'd remembered. Um, yeah, so that's it. Fast and Furious complete until uh, Fast Nine comes out. Yeah, until is... next year. And now you're be. climbing the walls to uh, to get to Spider Man. Hey, Spider-Man. Uh, oh, Chris, <laughs> Chris, what you said that you may not realise it's quite clever because Spider Man climbs walls. Don't you know? So you <laughs> yeah, we got our spiders bit, and tingling. Pun, then. Yeah. Well, well, bugger me. Uh... I'm not doing that, Chris. No, you're all right. <laughs> wit is wit, wit does turn me on, but not that much. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, <you> know. <laughs> um, yeah, but got something else we're going to do first. But anyway, as for social media, you can find me at the Past Kid 1976 on Twitter. You can find all the old episodes at UK. You can find me on Twitter at Cinematronics. And you can find us on Twitter at Expect Us Talk. And you can find us um, on many other platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, don't forget to also look for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you happen to draw your podcast. Don't forget, whatever platform you're on, please do kindly like us, rate us, review us, and share us. Thank you. Yeah, share us around like the dirty whores we are. Yes, we don't care. Yeah. All good. And yeah. also, you can now well, nominate us for a Listener's Choice Award in the British Podcast Awards. Um, um, I think in close, uh, vote to close 11th of July. Um, just go to British Podcast Awards um, and click on vote, literally at the top of the page, and type and in, do you expect us to talk? Well, there, give us a vote. Thank you. Uh, just yeah. cram that in at the last instance. Although, when you've finished using and abusing us, I'll accept bourbons. <laughs> That's Payment to be made in bourbons, please. So, in I'll other words, creams. I want either to be immortalised with the British Podcast Award or given a packet of bourbons. <laughs> and I don't actually have a preference. Well, now we know what to get Dave for Christmas. You can't buy a British... Oh, bourbons, yeah. <laughs> All right, bon commentary time. Chris! Yes, yeah, so do you expect this talk? We'll return with... Diamonds are forever. Commentary. Yes. <laughs>